What's up, internet peoples? As you can see, Mr. DJ Overflows is here with me, which is wonderful. It has been a hot minute since we've had a DJ up in here, so thank you for... Am I, am I like the first, or is it just like... No, we've had a couple. I had Don Smooth, so he was like a... Oh, man, yeah. He's like a pretty pretty well-known one. Um, no, I know, I know Don. I know we Don. had Bashment Booth up in here. Uh, okay. I I can't remember if we've had more. It's possible I had like one more DJ. Oh, we did. We had uh, Bobby Payne. So I've had those three okay. come through. I knew there was another one. But mm -hmm. outside of that, no, I haven't had DJs. And I find the DJ interviews just so interesting because in, in like general, what you do is so drastically different than what I do. And your ear is just looking for such different things than my ear. So the wisdom that you bring to the table only helps people like me. With that, I would love... Oh, Do Scott's also a fucking DJ, technically, and I did interview oh, him. Yeah. Because uh, Ismail showed up and he said that. Shut up, Ismail. Yeah, what's up? I'm, I'm watching the chat because I oh, have another word. screen. So I'm seeing what's going on. So, uh, yeah, Ismail, what's up? Uh, I, he's been he's been following me up a lot on Twitch, so I gotta give him props. To, like, Ismail's you know like... I mean? Ismail is that fan people pretend doesn't exist. You know what? He should keep that identity, like, kind of, like keep an eerie like mystery towards him. Like I never met him, so I don't I don't know. But oh. I kind of like that aura of I like met, we 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 broke that veneer that we met him in real life, and it was like okay. this like wow, Ismail's in front of me. <laughs> this is actually Ismail. It's like wow. a real person in front I'm of like, me. Oh my god! I gosh. know he's a real person, right? Like you know he's a real person, but like yeah. for four years he was just in the chats, and then he became yeah. like an actual person. You know, like that's some, it was it was big. It was a big moment. It was like say a word, man. Uh, yeah, I'm got, I'm counting down like Ismail, if you're watching. Like I am counting down the days that I'll probably. I will I will meet you. I'll probably be by surprise too. You'll probably like come out of nowhere, and I'll just be like, "Who are you?" And it's like, "Oh, it's Ishmael." I'm like, "Holy cow!" So, uh, be a good I'm, day. I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm waiting for that that moment to come. So, um, but with that, uh, we do have the show. Welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and Bridge the Gap is effectively the show where we take interesting people such as yourself and we walk through your life. And we extract knowledge nuggets for the masses and the people to, to gain some experience points from. And that's the show in a nutshell. And uh, we do have a little bit of a, a sequenced opening and then it just kind of goes wherever it goes. But to get us started right, can you let the people know where your life started, like where you were born? Uh, I'm born and raised here in Montreal. I'm a Filipino dude. Uh, I was raised in the South Shore, Griefville Park, what up, what up. All right, cool. Uh, I gotta that, do. I gotta do that. That's, I gotta that's do an, that every so often, right? <laughs> that's enough, though. That's a good part. So you up in Greenfield <laughs> Park, which uh, yeah. the people know is technically off island in the South Shore. It's the Greater the Montreal Shore. area, um, mm -hmm. and uh, with that, we have the proper opening question. But it just it's it's like a context setter for this question. So um, this one's a bit of a story. One of the lines you can kind of take in, whatever, whatever it goes, and it starts with my girlfriend. And she's washing the dishes, and uh, she's got her phone playing, and it's that Black Eyed Peas song. I got a feeling, ooh, and she's uh, vibing, okay. she's dancing, and she's having like the time of her life washing the dishes. And I'm looking at her, 
and I go, when the fuck did this become chores music? Because I'm like, wait, what what happened here, right? Like, cause you know this, you're a DJ. You know this song. And like 10 years ago, this was like that song that when you played, everybody would turn into a circle, everybody drunk, best time of the night. It was like, you probably heard it far too many times in your life. I could imagine. But for the rest of us, it was like that moment of the night, amazing times. And then, you know, 10 years later, it's some chores music. It's, it's like this whole other vibe in our lives. It's like we evolved in such a way where the song, which didn't actually change at all because songs don't really change, has such a different meaning in our lives that it's like kind of become more chores or exercise or the stuff like when we don't necessarily want to be doing it, but we want to go back to those days 10 years ago when we was in the clubs kind of doing our thing. And um, I asked a lot of people this, they tend to have a similar reaction. I'm curious to see a reaction on that song after, but this is just a preface to the real question. Um, so with that though, to me, you have the songs as they go through the evolution of time, right? And then if you were to think about how songs go on journeys, we as music people also kind of go on journeys, right? And things change in our lives and everything that evolves kind of impacts. So that got me thinking about all the interviews and all the stories that everyone I've ever heard of. And I noticed that most of the time, people start the story of their like musical life in their adolescent phase, usually when they discover hip hop, maybe when they start writing, when, you know, and it becomes a more active focus of their identity. But the truth about all this is that music is kind of always around us, right? Like the, the story of our musical identity really is from the moment we're born to the point where maybe there's even music playing in the hospital when you're born and you're absorbing that. So with that, it's like I thought about being like four or five years old, right? And I could think of those gray boxes, like the amp and uh, the, the freaking tape deck and the radio. My dad had these wires connected, going out the speakers and shit. He'd be playing his Led Zeppelins. He'd be busting that MC Mario 90s club music straight over the radios at night. And he, this is what yeah, he listened to. Yeah, those, those were good times. <laughs> God, so I, I was a kid too. Yeah, I remember those times. And so my mom, she was more into like the discos, you know, those $2 disco knockoff tapes you could find at Kushtard and it would have all the remastered versions of shitty knockoff covers at Disco Bangers and like fucking musicals. That was her vibe and shit. Christmas time, we had this random tape. It was like EDM covers of Christmas songs and that was the opening present soundtrack. And like, just I will have to say like when you're real young, all these different things kind of create these vibes and circumstances in your life that I find ultimately tie into who you end up becoming later on. So Black Eyed Peas aside, which we can't get to after, I would love it if you could take us back to the youngest DJ overflow that you can remember in Greenfield Park and walk us through a little bit what it sounded like to be you before you had any control over the music in your life. Thanks, Black Eyed Peas, I swear to God. <laughs> but no, uh, I'm trying to... Okay, so I, my, I have a family that is pretty enriched in music. To be honest, like my brother is a singer; he plays in the band. Uh, my uncle, he's a drummer; he plays in the band. And everybody in my family loves music, right? My my parents used to buy a lot of, like, ironically enough, disco music. So I have a strong, affinity love for um, anything disco related. So. Uh, as a kid, though, I was just into just music in general. My first, I could remember my first album I ever, I didn't buy it, but I did steal it off my bro was, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm not, I'm a big U2 fan. So the first album I ever had in possession and would listen to it constantly would be the Joshua Tree album. But then having brothers who have different types of 
love for different music like hip hop and I was my brother at the time my second oldest brother Leon uh he was big on alternative rock so cuz he was into it I was into it so and then my my oldest brother Glenn he was into like R&B 90s so whatever he was into it I was into it so it had that kind of eclectic feel of like what's good music so I was just I was pretty much into anything um, that was like I could hear. So, and also I was a sucker for anything that was on the radio. So, and I, I think you were, you probably were like me too, where, you know, you, you're, you're cheap. So you, you don't want to buy the album. So you just buy cassette tape, blank tape, and just listen, to, uh, just it's record not even whatever about you do. Being cheap. It's more like yeah. I lacked income as a young one. Yeah. And my parents, is, <laughs> like my allowances as a kid, really like what two dollars a week kind of thing. <laughs> like it was like you could get some I was, candy. I was lucky to get two dollars or anything, but whatever. My parents, did, my parents were, you know, we all will ultimately, you know, get to us, and like we we weren't like super rich, but we were just kind of just you know getting by yeah. with life and stuff. So, I'm with that. but yeah, I used to love to just be in my room doing whatever. I. Of course, I was kind of like a. I I did a lot of things when I was like a little kid, and also in high school. I, I besides playing sports, I was just as lazy as well, like as being active. So a lot of times, I would just either watch TV or I would deliberately listen to the radio and just listen to like at the time Mix Night Six, and just yeah. listen to you know what I mean, and just listen to whatever's. I would listen to I would just record whatever hit it was or whatever sounded good. So, and then I would just have to kind of like record just on the right time when the start when the music starts. How how old were you when you were doing that? I think I was like, let's say nine ten. All right, you know so, I mean? like, prior to that, let's just recap. You're growing up in a yeah. household that's just full of music. So before yeah. we get to the 9, 10, when you're, like, let's say, five-ish, are you running around singing? Are you kind of doing dances and stuff? Or are you just more of a Damn. quiet consumer of it? I think I, was a, I would think I was more of a quiet consumer of, of what was going on in general. I was, a, I was active, and I was kind of a playful kid, at least to my knowledge of what they were telling me, how I was when I was like five or six. But I was ultimately quiet at the same time. Uh, I was kind of a quiet kid as well, a little bit of a shy kid as well. Uh, but yeah, but go with, with music, it was kind of a slow, kind of gradual thing. Because I think as any kid, you were just trying to just, you know, be interested in anything i was interested in like toys i was interested in sports i was into like various things but at most of the time with music it was kind of like a slow kind of burn before i actually took it as something of a passion of mine but as a five six year old kid it was just you know you hear what was big at the time like you know uh like anything like boys to men like I can remember listening to Boys to Men a lot. Like I think at the time when I was like, it's like like End of the Road was was like the big hit, and I would just soak that up because it was like a slow jam. It was like a love song, and I was just, and I was already like five six years old, and I'm just like, wow, this is powerful stuff. So I have a definitive love for like R and B music because I would listen to it. But anything else that was coming out, I was just. You know, uh, like, of course, like any kid, everybody loved Michael Jackson. So, you know, when, what was it? Uh, I remember one time 
listening to like was it like bad or no bad was like in the 80s but like something that came out of the dangerous album like um like dangerous or black and white or whatever i just remember listening to that a lot but what kind of counteract that a bit was because my brother was going through a grunge phase and then the big thing was like nirvana pearl jam uh, Soundgarden. i was kind of like listening to like that so it I think before people were kind of, I like to admit that before people were just into like all kinds of music in general, I was kind of the first one just taking all music, you know, galore. Yeah, I love Nirvana Pearl Jam, but I also have a love for Wu-Tang. And, you know, I grew up listening to, um, because my brother was also into like underground stuff like Tribe Called Quest and Gangstar and, it was just kind of a lot to take in as a kid. So you're looking at something that I was just kind of like slow, slowly more and more just like so, spending a lot of time on the radio, just list, like recording music or listening to music and figuring it out. So so like, I guess uh, what makes you migrate to a part where you're like, okay, now I got to start dubbing my own cassettes. I got to get more of this. Because that's like different, yeah. right? That's the part where yeah. like it changes from this like thing that's around you, which is more yeah. like and most people had that experience where it's like this is around you. And then somewhere yeah. along the way, something catches your ear, something specific. Mm. And it's like, yo, say word. What is mm. this music thing? I know I heard it, but now it's different. I want more of it. Do you remember mm -hmm. what that song was that made started to lead you down a path of dubbing tapes? Man. Uh, fuck. I'm trying to really dig deep to see what, what was the song or what was the album or what was something. Uh, the first album I remember buying uh on cassette because before i know the okay this was like a little bit past that but i remember my first ever cd that i ever ever bought was like the tragically hip trouble at the hen house and that's kind of a little bit of an off turn because me listening to like hip-hop and stuff but i just remember that album was like big and i remember saving up money to just get that album so as far as with like cassettes I just remember, I remember pawning, like just stealing a lot of my brother's cassettes. And a lot of times he would have stuff like, you know, uh, like, uh, man, he had like mixtapes of like rock songs of like Aerosmith and, and uh, like Tripping Daisies or anything that was like popular alternative wise in like the early, the, the beginning to early 90s. But I remember too that he had like, I think the first hip hop album that I was introduced by him was, uh, oh man, I'm trying to think it was, I want to say that it was probably Eric B and rock him. Could I remember? I have that album on vinyl that was shared by my brother, but it wasn't like the album, uh, a particular, it was like a compilation album, like on vinyl. But I remember listening like, uh, like you got soul like constantly because i was like a that was like a mega heck like a, a a maxi mix where it was like eight minutes long but that was like kind of my closest thing to like early hip-hop before reaching to like heights of like wu-tang and and cypress hill and and oh yeah like biggie 
Tupac. So that was kind of my introduction to hip hop that I could remember. So and then so basically you you start dubbing cassettes because you want your yeah. own collection. Yeah, but the thing is, when I was when I was recording music off the radio, I was just taking anything. I remember just at one point I was like, it was uh, it was like whatever popular Michael Jackson song was on the radio. To one point, listening to to whatever like New Kids on the Block. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I was I was into like New Kids on the Block back in the day. So it's like anything that was just kind of like catchy, toony that I could. Cause I at an early age, my I, my brother actually bought me a like a like for those who don't know what a Walkman is, it's like basically a portable tape player, right? So it's like so, and I didn't really have anything in mind to like have other than whatever my brother had. But a lot of times it was just like whatever I was recording or whatever I had on. And I still have my tapes to this day. Oh, say what? You, you have your kid mixtapes. Yeah, I should listen to them when I know oh, there's. Well, you should somewhere. make a whole fucking stream series out of playing those tapes. Yeah, I just gotta. But again, a lot of those uh, songs that are being would have like an intro of the DJ or of the whoever would just say, "Oh, blah blah blah, blah mix nice six. You listen to Bro, whatever. That's a blah, fucking blah, blah, blah. time capsule. Do you know the nostalgia you'd hit people with? Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's. I don't know. I think I feel kind of no. It's not like I would be scared anyways. Cause I just love music in general, but just at the time, I just remember just being in my room and just kind of like listening to radio nonstop, just so I could hear a good song. You know what I mean? And I got. I, I think those were one of those times I kind of miss being a kid and not worrying about like adulthood. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was just one of those times where it's just you're a kid. Yeah, you, you just and. I kind of, you know, you know, because of the saying is people won't like kids these days won't know what it's like to actually, you know, you know, computer like be like live a life pre computer or pre internet. You know what I mean? Because it's just one of those things where you had to go out and buy records, you had to go out and buy CDs, you had to go out and buy cassettes, or for the most part, just listen to the radio. And if you're willing to, just record whatever music that you can get. You know what I mean? I remember listening to a lot of like 99.9 The Buzz. Yeah, just, that was my yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. So I remember oh, a lot of fuck. times. That's high school just, right there. <laughs> yeah, so that that's it. I and, and the thing was like I don't know, like the reception wasn't great here, but it was enough to like listen to nine nine nine. Say where it was like. Where were you at? In the South Shore? Was still, it was. Yeah, let's, yo, it's fucking Shore, clean as fucking NDG. Really? Yeah, but for some reason, off island, like. I remember that I would be like really like annoyed with people I knew living in the island that that had like good reception of radio, or at the time they would have like uh, like much music where people living in the South Shore wouldn't have much music because of the reception or some bullshit like that. So a lot what? of times I would, so a lot of times I would listen to like Music Plus. And, Hold on, so, so let, let me let me let me run that one more time. I've never heard ahead, this in my ahead. life. Go ahead. You couldn't necessarily get much music if you lived off island Montreal on some weird shit. Yeah. And so you were forced with music plus. I think it was basically off of basic cable because I think if you have to pay extra, you can get it. But uh. because I wasn't like, I'm not like super rich on, you know, on that front. But even then, music plus was 
good. Like it's was still it? the same thing. It, it was just in French, you know what I mean? So and a lot of times they would promote like French content, like French music. I remember a lot of times discovering a lot of French hip hop, like Dubmatic, Mazayan, uh, like like all those kind of like early nineties French hip hop that was big at the time would be like nonstop playing at on Music Plus. And a lot of local hip hop acts too, like would make like content music videos would be aired on Music Plus. So I gotta give Music Plus their their due on what they kind of in, also introduced me to like what music is currently yeah. and locally. So so that's a huge one, eh? Because I never really watched Music Plus, right? You say what it was. I was in a household yeah. where, let's say, French was a little more vilified than not based on my mm-hmm. parents' feelings. So, like, yo, I'm, like, 16. I'm not going to be fucking watching the French one, you know? Like, I, had, yeah, yeah. I had much music, much vibe, and much loud. Are you kidding me? What do I need Music Plus? I was spoiled. <laughs> Uh, well, much Music Plus had their version of Much Vibe. I I forgot what it was called, but I don't think it was as the same kind of like level that I remember Much Vibe. So, uh, but yeah, yeah this was like this was Fuck like me. yeah in the late like in the nineties where we weren't yeah. able to get much. But I gotta give it to I because also besides recording uh, like stuff on cassettes off the radio, I was I basically recorded a lot of music videos too. Like I still have a few of my cassettes of just nonstop music, like music videos that I record. Well, that's so, still, that would be so a, wild to sit through. Yeah, I should do that one time. Well, I gotta find or buy a new cassette player if they still exist. But yeah, I fucking uh, swear, if you threw a party around that, I would come to your party around you know, watching your music videos. Yeah. <laughs> But again, it's like it's not hard now with the internet and and no. Based okay, on, so here's uh, YouTube, the thing: but, I don't want to yeah. watch random music <laughs> videos on YouTube. Yeah. I could go do that. First yeah. of all, I would never think of any of them. So already, yeah. um, it's a terrible experiment for me. The other hand is what I want to know is what a young DJ Overflow thought was the littiest shit to record. See, that's oh, the man. part where it sounds dope because you're a DJ yeah. Mans. So hearing yeah. the young DJ Mans' curated mix of videos, yeah. oh my gosh, that sounds like a blast. But that was, this, this was, again, pre-DJ one. This is just me being you know, into music, right? You could so, argue this was yeah. just your earliest mixes. Yeah, so, and they were good. Like, I just remember a lot of times if there was nothing on TV, I'm like, screw it, I'll just go watch through my music videos because, and again, it was just like, you know, and if I want to hear a tune, because I do have that tendency at the time, and even to this day, like if there's a tune in my head that I kind of like remember, and I don't remember the song or whatever, or if I just want to hear it, like I'll just find it and I'll listen to it, or I'll just try to rediscover whatever I haven't listened to in a long time. I think that's what I think. Going back to what you were saying in the beginning with Black Eyed Peas. Uh, with your girl listening to it. I think what triggers a lot of times with music is like memories. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not like she was there for like chores purposes, but it takes her back into a sense where, you know, the song represented her 
in a way that you know it motivate her to like you know do whatever it's done but it's a memory trigger yeah and i think a lot of times with now trying to kind of lead the way to what we're trying to say is like yeah a lot of times when listening to music and recording music or recording videos it does kind of trigger type a lot of memories so and those are a lot of times where i would literally just be like at one point at any time i would just kind of be something would pop in my head and i'm like oh man i haven't heard that song in a while and i would be like oh man that when i listen to that song i remember x event or being with this person or whatever so yeah so i again was as yeah i could say as a dj i just know a lot of songs but just as a music lover too i just know a lot of songs because mm. they just trigger those type of emotions and memories I'm just saying, man, anybody that would throw in, like, yo, if I could hear any of my creative professionals' 10-year-old mixes, I'd pay money to go to that event. I'm sorry, but that sounds amazing. (laughs) Because, A, you're going to get the corny, but you're also going to get the treasures. And that mix of corny and treasures, oh, my gosh, that sounds like a blast. That sounds like a trip down memory lane for, like, a lot of people. And the young ones would fuck with it, too, because it would be, like, wild for them. So I'm saying that sounds like a lit time. I think I think that would, that would kind of t- like I have a niece and nephew. I think it'd be a trip to kind of have them look at whatever I was recording or listen to what I was recording, just because, you know, this was me at oh, like, ten or twelve. You know what I mean? Like it's like I'm trying to like, cause yo, like I lived through that like radio, right? So those like guys, the voices, the talkovers, mix ninety sixes, little cuts, it like that's all like a vibe. The tracks that yeah. were around, like it's almost like they're not really here anymore i mean yeah they are but like nobody really remembers them and so it's almost like this time capsule that you have created there anyway that's all a side thing that's fucking amazing that we got that we we learned that you're already basically from like 10 years old on starting the journey of becoming a dj even if you didn't know what a dj was back then no i i I knew what a dj was but it wasn't like in my interest but that wasn't really why I became a DJ. I became a DJ more like I'll, I'll push forward now to like, I think my first exposure of like what a DJ to me was because I remember my brother had cassette tapes of these DJs just doing these crazy stuff on turntables, like scratching, mixing, doing beat juggles on just, on you know, on 12 inches playing it like it was an instrument. So I remember a lot of times my brother, I remember had a hold of a cassette of like guys like DJ Cube. My first exposures were like DJ Cubert and the executioners doing like routine stuff on turntables. And it was cool because I just never heard something like this before. And you could make like your own kind of like on the fly tunes using other people's tunes and manipulate sound like it was an instrument and it was done all on using nothing but at the time 12 inch records you know what i mean you can take a track of a of uh let's say uh, a bismarck key track take two you know at the time they would do it using beat juggles with two exact same records and making its own beat just by using drum patterns that they would find like a break of it uh and that was my first exposure of what a dj was to me so the instrumental kind of aspect of it was pretty kind of like 
eye-opening. And then I met people from my high school that were kind of doing it, you know, scratching, like finding like like tunes or like some sort of break to like do some cuts, you know. And uh, and then, yeah, that was kind of my exposure to it, like maybe mid to late high school years. So uh yeah i gotta give i gotta give praise to my best bud if he's watching you know chris dj vertigo uh i always praise him because he was the one that i kind of looked at him because he was doing it first he was like he's my age and then he was he already had like turntables in the mixer and he was already doing that stuff i was just kind of like wow I, he could do that so anybody can do that so and then the times went on. I saw more like videos of like different DJs, and then I discovered like different DJs locally and and stuff. So the musicality of well, like the technicality of a DJ was what I was introduced first before the musicality of a DJ, where you can just you know mix and you know make like party tracks or whatever and stuff like that. So. That was uh, that was kind of, so that 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 journey kind of alluded a bit more once I kind of figured out that this is kind of, this was pretty cool. This is what I I kind of love to do, and I was interested to kind of look at it more. So, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, super dope. So basically, yeah. um, you're like t between like ten years old. You start that you know we'll call it the old version of downloading. <laughs> Yeah. And acquiring your collection of stuff, which still is curating, which I feel like ties into what you do. And yeah. it's still clocking experience points for it, yeah. which I find really impressive that you're doing from a young age. And granted, you do have a lot of musical stuff happening in your family, which is dope. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, too, like besides doing I eventually when I had a like a part time half the school job stuff, I started buying vinyls and, and CDs and I like I still have a lot of like I have my collection of CDs and vinyls to this day, but uh, and I'm trying to grow even more and more throughout the years. So, but for the most part, yeah, I once I was able to buy like stuff like records, like I, man, I used to abuse my CD, my CD, my portable CD player on in high school and just listen, and I would have a bag with a booklet of CDs. So like you know what I mean. So at the time, it wasn't like Spotify or apple music where you could just all have it on your phone i had a big ass machine like every kid in high school back in the 90s early 2000s and just wanted to hear like whatever was popular at the time or whatever was big for some reason i was just a big limb biscuit fan in high school so it's just like anything limb biscuit i gotta listen oh, to you know, be clear it's not <laughs> for some reason they were amazing I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. I stand by that. Chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water and three dollar bill and the other one that significant other. Uh, significant other, yeah. These three albums are really solid. I do not yeah. stand for anything else that came past those points. I can't no. justify anything past that. But those three albums are pretty cool. Yeah. No, uh significant other was the pinnacle for me. And then I discovered three dollar bills though and I loved it just because of that gritty, like new wave of uh hip-hop rock or hip-hop alternative uh and then chocolate starfish is just a guilty pleasure you know what i mean like even to this day sometimes i'll put it i'll listen to it and i'll just like wow this is me in high school so and i had like the khaki pants and the the backwards red cap and i i i lived the fred durst life for some reason so it's like 
but yeah, that was my exposure to to what it was in high school. It was like hip hop, and then hip hop, like whatever new metal, if you want to call it, then stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, at the time when I had the money, I would buy all those CDs and buy all those albums because, you know, just it's just something to have, you know. But it's also like part of like the vibe of the era. Like I remember being in high school. And I'm, we we established I'm a couple years younger than you, so it's like the same mm-hmm. uh, era, right? So like mm-hmm. I can remember being in high school and getting like a twenty dollars, and you know one of the options for that twenty dollars is Music World or HMV, and you yeah. like you'd you get like freaking excited, and you go like cop some album, like you know blind buy some shit or whatever. Do you remember? Uh, I don't know if it was maybe before your time, but you ever you went to Sam the Record Man? We had in, uh, I'm aware oh, of what it is because I've been educated on the subject, but no, I yeah, yeah. I never did. We had one in back in the day at uh, it was on St. Catherine Street. I don't remember where exactly, but I remember a lot of times if it's not HMV, I would have to recommend, and I would like ditch classes to go to high school, like, go to like take a bus downtown and just hang around and just buy CDs or just hang around. So I, those were another other times so that I kind of rem, like remember a lot. Just so you, you like, know, I had, like you out had, in the I record had, store, like you would see people do in the movies, kind of thing. Yeah, I did. Like because it was like I don't I don't do it as maybe often as like maybe a hardcore like music lister. But I remember a lot of times just mm. to be happy in life, I would go to a record shop and just Shit. hang around and look. Through. I just remember that like they used to have those listening stations where like yeah. prior to the internet, this is one of the yeah. only ways you could peep a new album ahead of time, and they would have the shit with explicit lyrical content available in those too. So yep. you'd be like, yep. "Yo, I can go bump that music my mom said I couldn't play." <clears throat> there you go. A lot of times too. I don't know if you remember, like they they would have like album like like cds of just the singles and they would be like five bucks at a time so i remember like if i let's say i had twenty dollars i would cop like four or five of those and just get the singles and then there would be a b-side to like those singles or like a remix so i just remember buying a lot of those and then i realized too like yeah i could use those to like actually be a dj to buy myself like cdjs or something and then use those out so yeah i got like I got really into compilations or greatest hits because, you know, I never knew what to buy. So if you got the greatest hits album off the jump, it was like a surefire way to get a taste for the band and if you liked them or not. Yeah. No, uh, same. Like a lot of times I would go listen to a lot of greatest hits stuff from particular. Like Gangstar, I love, but I didn't get any of the albums like Mass Mass Appeal or or, like prior to getting their greatest, their 90s greatest hits album, which was a double CD. And then I just loved it. And then I remember buying Mass Appeal. Uh, and that, that was like my eye-opener type of album. That, And then I just d- discovered more and more. So, yo, no, greatest hits albums are like dope. You know what I mean? So at least that it kind of introduced you. If you're not familiar with the band, that if you're really, really into them, you could just discover a lot of their work. So, um, like, God knows how many like greatest hits albums that I have of, like, particular artists you know what i mean so yeah no that's you know bringing me back for real so so basically like later high school though you start to get more engrossed in the concept of being a dj because of the technicalities and your boy is actually doing it and yeah yeah so what happened was like uh like i think 
at the end of high school, like, uh, you know, I had a lot of things that I was thinking about, but I had a goal where I at least wanted, I didn't have any equipment. Like I had maybe a used turntable, which I thought would be useful to like get to use to start as a DJ and then get myself a little mixer. But so uh, any turntable will work. No, uh, you need a, you need a, a turntable that doesn't have like a automatic belt. You need something that has a, like a, like a direct drive because of the stop and go. Uh, meaning that a turntable would be something where, you know, a lot of times with turntables, if you get like a, like a, like a direct belt, you have a, a needle where you would drop it. And then when you, when this, either you have the needle to the end, or if you press the stop, it'll automatically move the needle back to the starting place. Uh, a lot of times with turn with with turntables for DJs, you would need something that doesn't have that, where it's just a direct stop and go, and the needle will just stay where it is. So uh, that's kind of where people have to kind of realize what kind of turntable they would want if they would want to be a DJ. And that was something I kind of learned kind of in the beginning because I just thought it was just any turntable, right? So I got like a like a cheap turntable and then whatever but then it wasn't because a lot of times when you try to do some scratching and cuts the needle would move and it would jump and it would move back to the beginning setting point so uh so yeah so just so keep that in mind so if you're gonna buy a turntable you gotta see what kind of turntable you want well if i'm gonna buy a turntable i'm definitely gonna not get one with an automatic thing yeah well here give me a holler and i'll let you know no, but, I'm not, I'm not, uh, it's, not, it's, not my, it's not an immediate purchase, but, you know, one day I would like to fuck around and try scratching literal vinyls. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good. To, like, you, you're, you're producing, right? And I know a lot of uh, a lot of beat makers, they have turntables so they can, you know, mm. grab, like, samples and bricks. So I, I'm not uh, really, uh, I don't make beats, but a lot of my friends oh. do. I just like to yeah. use their beats. Okay. But um, no, nah, for me, it's just like really fascinating. Prior to talking to DJs, I don't know how anything worked. I didn't really get any of it. And then as you guys yeah. describe it, I'm like, say a word. So there's multiple kinds of turntables. Okay. Yeah. Pretend I there's know. There's multiple kinds. Of, it's multiple kinds of turntables, multiple kinds of, because we have a, there's a, like, there's two turntables you would use, right? And then in the middle, there's this like little box. It's a mixer, basically. Basically what the mixer does, it kind of controls like, kind of the sound pitch and the volume and kind of like you would manipulate it to have it sway from one side of the turntable to the other. Uh, and then that's kind of how you, DJs would start. So, um, but there's also various types of mixtures for those who just want to mix. And then there's ones that don't, you know, just want to scratch. You know, there's ones that are like both. There's a lot of deep technicality so on mixer, that too. So. As I understand it, is the little console that takes all the various sounds and lets you manipulate them on the fly. That's what a mixer's yep. job is. I don't yep. have oh. any idea because we used a mixer for the first time last week, so I actually had to look at this motherfucker and think about how it worked as Chris was spinning knobs and shit trying to learn how to live engineer. Say a word. That's what Ismail is asking about now. Say a word. Look at that. Well, I guess that's not the turntables. That's the mixer. Well, no, no, but this is the mixer. Well, this is kind of an old, not older, but because there's like newer brands of this type of mod. But this is my baby, the uh, Pioneer me. DJM S9. It's, uh, you know. Yeah, so the, the little buttons are like the little drum pad kind of thingies or where you hold sounds. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's like you have prostrated gear. You put it on one side to hit to one turntable. You put it on the other side, hits to one and the other turntable. These ones here are kind of volume knobs, a uh, volume kind of settings for like how loud you want each turntable to be. So it's like a cutoff, right? And then I don't have to go through the technical terms here because this is gonna take another five hours to explain. I fucking swear, but... if you did do that one day, I would watch that stream and I'd be like, say word. That's what all the things do, cause you. But for me, for my perception, it's um, a guy stands there, and I understand the flicking of the switches left and right. I get the volume yeah. control, and I yeah. just assume everything else is like live EQs and shit to make sure everything sounds like the right balance of shit. Is a turntable. That's you know fucking I mean? cool. I, and to be and. To tell you how much of a crazy person I am, I have like, I have seven turntables, like, no, no, seven, five, sorry, five turntables, four of like kind of these, oh no, I have six, so it's like four of these plus two portables, so, you know what I mean, so, it's just, let's just say it's a lot of money to, to buy a lot of these equipment, so. That's fair, and I guess, but yeah. I mean, it creates a monetizable skill, as the guy's yeah. flyer says, corporate events, birthday parties, yeah. hit up DJ Overflow for virtually anything that you can think of that requires a DJ. He's there for you. He's got two portables. He just said so. <laughs> and plus, and plus, I need money, so. Uh, that's a great reason. But, yo, that's yeah. but I realized that like DJing is, because you can go clean, you can go wild, you can go in any direction as a DJ, as long as you show I think up what and people spin don't. It. I don't. I think what people don't understand is, yeah, DJs who are good DJs are the ones that that set the mood of whatever's going on around them, right? And you know, I don't. There's, there's DJs that are technical. There's DJs that can just only mix, and there's DJs that can do everything that a DJ can do. So, I think what people don't understand is like, however, I think to me. A DJ is very important in terms of what uh, what to set the mood of what's going on. Like, let's say, for example, you're doing a hip hop show, and I've I've done I've gone through it where it's like you have your MCs playing, and then you need somebody to fill those type of like uh, those uh, kind of holes between transitions from one MC to another MC, right? So you got your DJ there that play the tunes, set the mood. You know, you got your you got a lot of DJs that can open up shows to kind of hype whoever the main act's gonna be, or or if you're gonna be going out for a good night, you got you go you have DJs that can rock party. You know what I mean? And then also just DJs there that are just musically inclined to be artists, where they would use again the turntables and the mixer as an instrument and just kind of be their own artists and you know just set the mood like you know they're like there for a concert you know what i mean so i think like as much as mcs are cool like yeah mcs are wild in terms of lyrical they like, providing lyrical lyrical content and tell a story and you know show presence i think for the most part the dj is the one there that is like there he's the dj is the one to set the tone of what the night's gonna be 
So yeah, I fucks you know, with and, that. And I, it's, it's almost yeah. like the DJ's the drummer in the band that holds it down, and the guitarist sounds good if the drummer's tight. That's it. Yeah, and I used I used to play the drums too, <laughs> so it's it goes hand in hand, where like the back like the the unsung hero would be the drummer because he is the backbone of whatever band that's playing. He's the one to set the tone for the for the for the bass player to put his groove on and for it's the facts. for the guitarist. Yeah, it's true. It's like you no, see I, enough I, I used to play bass and yeah. while I didn't go very far with it for a minute I was part of a little band. And yeah. I remember distinctly like I know the guitarist was like following me more than the the drummer, but like I needed the drummer because without him, what am, what rhythm am I following, right? Like, well, that's it. The basically the 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 bassist and the drummer are kind of like they're like together. You know what I mean? Because they're those two are the they're the backbones of what a band initially can be or what they can do as performers or as like as an act right so uh so that's kind of the concept that i would put in as far as being a dj and you're right yeah the dj would be in the back the back end but is the essential importance of what is in front of them in terms of performing or saying off the night yeah, or, but like for real yeah, though like as a performer, like I've had the pleasure of performing with some like DJs that know what the fuck they're doing. And if you trust your DJ, he's going to do shit like fuck up your beat and it's going to yeah. be perfect. He's going to know somehow when you're going to land shit. I don't know how y'all yeah. know this, but like you've never heard me do this song before and somehow you still line it perfect kind of thing. And it's amazing yeah. how like a DJ kind of takes what you would bring and it, it, it almost like goes from like a studio experience into like this unique live experience that is only replicated that night because that DJ chose to feel that cut at that moment. But again, it's all about, and I've done a lot of hip hop shows where I would, I play with MCs and some of them are, it's like if we have a good connection or we know what we, or we talked before about what they want to do and what we want to do. And if I feel it and he feels it, if he, he feels it, then it's great. But also, too, I have messed with MCs where it's just a total drag, where it's just kind of like it doesn't feel creative. It was just kind of like A, like a, play A, play B, play C, whatever. So, and I lo don't get me wrong, like I have much, I have mad love and respect for MCs, but if we don't, I'm at that point in my life where, like, I don't if I don't feel the MC on a, on a personal level, or if we don't know each other, like, I've done enough shows where I would just be the background, like the background DJ, just press and play, and it doesn't feel fun. You know what I mean? Because it just kind of kills the vibe of what I wanted to be as a DJ. It's not like with Gangstar, where you got Guru and you got Premiere, and he brings the flavor, he brings the beat. He does the cuts on a live event, and you got Guru, who's on the mic spitting rhymes over what what uh, what Premier is playing. Like that's a really tandem, like MC DJ kind of hip hop act that I think a lot of a lot of like hip hop artists or a lot of DJ collapse could like really follow through because it is important for a good DJ and a good MC to kind of get together to put on a good performance, put out good music, put out good content. Because again, 
I, a lot of times, a lot of the MCs that I've seen throughout the years who would have a DJ, they're just, they're just background scenery. Like, and to me, that's kind of annoying because it's just like, you're not giving the, the DJ a chance to kind of showcase or do little cuts. Or if you do cuts, it's just like minimal, like eight bar cuts to whatever, like outro you have on your beat. You know what I mean? So I, I really, with the respect of a lot of MCs that I work with, I don't try to go out and, you know, cause I don't want to be that kind of background DJ. Cause I'm, I have, I was, there's no point. Like I've never came to being a DJ and said to myself, yeah, I'm just going to be a background DJ, you know, playing a beat and just putting my hands in the air and just, you know, you know, mimic on the mic, like, you know, be background vocals, you know, be like putting hard signs and just being like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not me. Cause I grew up as a DJ. I started learning to be a DJ on a technic, on being a technical DJ before anything. Yo, so like, say a word. Yeah. Let me ask you a question in a theoretical sense. So let's say I'm up Go there ahead. rapping. You can do shit like flip up my beats and just yeah. land shit up right where it needs to be for like the hook. I can, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm not gonna lie. I have not done something where, but I'd love to try something where I can freak out the MC. And if you're a good enough MC, let's see what you can do on the fly. Uh, a best example that I could think of is, you know, the latter part of the Beastie Boys. You know, I remember when Mixmaster Mike would play tracks. And the Beastie Boys would whatever would lay down their lyrics on a particular track, and then they would throw he would throw a curveball on a beat with the same BPM, but it's a different track, but it's still the same rhymes over it. Bro, you know what I mean? That's exactly what I was thinking of in my head because I'm yeah. like, yo, what could I do to fuck up my live performance? <laughs> I'm like, yo, yeah. imagine doing that shit, and then you could like lace in some fucking whatever, and then yeah. for me, as long as it lines up with the hook, the hook has to come back to like the proper. Well, part. that's it. I think that's that's what preparation and connect and and communication Oof. between the MC and the that's DJ that's a is fire very idea. important. Fire yeah. idea, love it. Yeah. Um, but also too, like I'm saying, like if you're a good DJ, I mean, if you're a good MC, like, like a lot of MCs that I like can do can improv on the fly. So it's either they do a freestyle on something they fucked up over and make it seem like it's nothing, then those are the OG MCs. You know what I mean? So I'm um, super good at being like blah blah and like catching it again. <laughs> yeah. So. I, it's just, I don't know. I just like, I like being around kind of creative people, like people that are kind of outside the box. You know what I mean? Cause I, I try to be, I try to think outside the box a lot of times on things like, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect DJ, but I do like to kind of do things on the fly. Sometimes if I play like a track that doesn't hit with people and then you know it is what it is but i'll keep going you know what i mean so it's just one of those things where i like to experiment i don't mind like if i if i if i give it a shot at a hip-hop show play like a backstreet boys track with a hip-hop beat over it we'll see how that works you know what i mean so come on everybody knows uh, that's a slap everybody knows that's a bop <laughs> i'm sorry i want to hear the backstreet boys with hip-hop beats under it that's the truth of it yeah <laughs> You never know, man. That's why it's like with a lot of cool DJs, if you're kind of clever, 
to put something. I, I like to I like to try to do it sometimes. Or I know DJs that can do it, or DJs that are like clever. Where they'll just throw a curveball for no reason on playing something random, and then still have people dancing on the floor or reacting to it or something. Like you play like let's say Biggie, Tupac. Uh, whatever. Uh, the uh, DMX, and all of a sudden you play like, like Millie Vanilli, and then you go back to like. Girl, you uh, know, you know. <laughs> and I think that was my last song of the night. Can I usually try to play something quirky on my last song of wherever I'm DJing? So, yeah, uh, girl, you know it's true. Is my what's my last? Yo, song, but for so. me, like when I'm at the parties and shit, right? I find what happens is is often DJs will catch a vibe, right? Now, yep. if I love the vibe, oh, my God, I'm vibing. But a lot of times I don't love the vibe. And then they play yeah. those curveball songs. And usually what happens is they're vibe changers. Whatever comes after yep. that curveball song, that's going to be a new vibe. So for me, those are some of the best parts because it means shit's about to change for me. And I love that part of a set. Yeah. And I love that reaction, to be honest. Like, I want, I don't want, sometimes I just don't want to play the normal stuff where, because look at me, I love hip-hop but again it gets repetitive when you're playing hypnotized to to uh whatever yeah, uh, hold on i got you know, shout out golden hip-hop. jenny for renewing her subscription and keeping a gangster like that that is seven months in a row okay like nice. that's that's a lot of love <laughs> that's that is a lot of love anyway sorry not to no, cut no, you it's off. all good but uh what was i saying but yeah it's just it for hip-hop tracks it's like I can't. Like I love. I'll, I'll play the you know the 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 hypnotized to like uh, whatever uh, like ludicrous stand up to whatever. But then you know that everybody knows. But it just gets repetitive to me. So sometimes, if I could get a remix to it, or if I do a mashup of it, or if I just kind of curve the you know the, the project the night to something else. Or just play something random with a hip hop beat. Because DJs are clever that way too. If they read the crowd right, you know what I mean. So uh, they 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 do trend the night in a sense where whatever the DJ plays, that's kind of where the night's gonna go. Mm. So and those are the nights that I kind of strive a lot. You know what I mean? It's just like if, but they also depends on the people too. Like you know, not all, not every person especially youngins these days are into something like that they just want to hear whatever the hits or whatever is on tiktok these days you know what i mean so it's like but um but uh, yeah it's just but that's kind of that's kind of like the the old school mentality with kind of the new modern take on what's good these days in terms of music so yeah i totally appreciate that all right yeah we got to go back to your story, because. Go but don't get me wrong. I love this. You're crushing it. This is exactly what we want. You're like <laughs> lubed up. You're ready to go. Everybody's interested. Um, I'm drinking a. I'm drinking iced coffee too, so that helps. That's fair. I'm drinking dehydrated water, just water, because. I, I have water here. Just Yo, honestly, I couldn't handle <clears throat> the caffeine on the streams. I was like, when I started doing this, I was peeing too much, so I had to like cut off the caffeine at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, Yoshetta Ismail for eating grapes. <laughs> I love that shit. That's one of my favorite parts of Twitch. Is just the 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 chat and the whole dynamic it brings to the table. All right, still. Yeah, yeah like t- like Twitch has. It's been kind of your 
it's it's you like I know you've been kind of crushing it like and like how many months have you been on this so far? Uh, we started dabbling in October, okay, of last year. I wouldn't say okay. crushing. I'd say I just like it. I like it a lot. Okay. I feel like okay. crushing is such a relative term, but like there's a community mm. here now in my life that didn't exist last year at this time, or it was in a lot more of its infancy stages last year at this time. And I'm super mm. grateful for that. And I would say Twitch has been a huge facilitator of the evolution in my life, but that's all after we can get to Twitch. Cause that's going to be the end of your story still. <laughs> Cause that's where you're at now. Um, so let's run it back to like, you finish high school and you're like developing your DJ shit. Your sorry, your passion for becoming a DJ. You're studying the tapes. Your boys got the gear. You cop your first vinyl record, and then we got on our amazing tangent. So, how does it kind of evolve for you to a point where like you actually develop your skills as a DJ, or like what happens next? Well, uh, right after high school, I because I was working, I could have gone to CJP and stuff, but I, I just chose to kind of work. Um, so eventually I saved up enough money, like a couple of months after graduating to finally buy myself two turntables and the mixer that I want. Uh, I just remember being that, that moment of, because I, at the time I would put like money on layaway to get all this stuff. Right. So once I finally gave my last payment to fully get everything, and I got home, and then I set everything up. I think I think that was probably the happiest day of my life, just in a sense where I've worked so hard to actually get something that I wanted, that I was interested, and that I would want. It was passionate on doing, and I just remember from day one, just kind of, you know, learning how to do cuts and through, through friends and through watching videos, and and I just remember my friend gave me like his copy of a scratch record with different sounds so i just learned how to do you know different type of like patterns to you know manipulate sound using a, a, a turntable and a mixer and then i slowly just kind of evolved to getting like more vinyl records and and stuff but then the age of technology came in and then i started you know saving money to get a computer and then you know so i can plug that into my you know dj set and then i don't have to worry about like getting like vinyls and stuff so all the music would be in my laptop so but yeah the journey kind of started when i right after high school and while i was like working um i i kind of did the like at the time i was just going to like different places clubs restaurants that are looking for djs and i ended up uh my first gig weekly gig uh at 18 was at uh you know peel pub on uh what's that street on uh on peel street uh that was my first kind of like gig weekly but at the time it wasn't like i brought gear they had like a cd cd player and i just have to come in with like cds and stuff and i would make like compilations or whatever but it was it kind of was like it was my first gig but it was like it was kind of shitty because it was just like there wasn't like a window for me to see what was outside so i was like locked into this closet and then it was hard to see what kind of music uh i would need to play for like people so i just whatever so but again that was my first gig i paint i'm getting like 80 dollars a night plus like free booze and stuff so um 
but again, I took the gig just because I wanted experience. Like any other artist that wanted experience, you just want to take anything, right? Right. So yeah, so it just that kind of just started, and then I started had more confidence to getting more gigs with like turntable. So I would DJ like house parties, I like on like on like Halloween or something like that. And I did like I would do like gigs at like friends like like uh, at a friend's place or whatever if they're just doing a night out so that was just kind of one of the things that i started learning to become like a dj at like places and then you know it, and then you know once that was coming in and then technology was starting to improve more so it's getting music and then i paid more money to get uh get more equipment to upgrade to get uh equipment i was still practicing on cuts so those were the things that I kind of took moving forward and not going to school and just kept working, you know, working during the day and doing all that at night. So and at the time I was like 20, early 20s, feeling invincible. I, I could do that during the day and then at night and, and stuff like that. So that was kind of a good uh, beginning platform for me to kind of begin as a DJ and as an artist. And also, too, I was trying to do, like, practice on, like, doing DJ competitions, like the DMCs and stuff like that. So, um, and, um, yeah, it was just, it was just, it I just, to me, the more I was doing it, the more I was going out there, the more I was just taking any gigs at the time, the more I was just, like, happy or just, to just do what I love to do, which was DJing. So uh, maybe I would have loved to do more things like leading up to it, but it was it was fun times in my twenties being a DJ because I was just doing, and then I was doing more gigs, I was doing more clubs, and I was doing like meeting other DJs and, and stuff like that. So it would just it just kind of more it just kind of morphed into something that was just important in my life and make me happy. So and that was one of the things that came to me in the end where it's like yeah i was i'm making money slowly surely more and more but it's just one of those things that you know i feel like it was um it was kind of like it felt i felt alive every time i would dj you know because it was just you're kind of like the focal point you know of the night you're, you're kind of like i'm not saying all djing gigs were great you know i did ones where it was just lame like you know but the more the more good ones are the ones that are the kind of like the more the gig the, the best dj gigs i could think of are the ones that are a little bit more underground like in the sense where it's like like hip-hop shows or doing like you know block parties or you know doing djing in somebody's basement or just ones that are just that involve like MCs or artistries or something like that because those are the ones that you kind of like shine as an artist versus DJing at a club or a resto where it's just kind of like you you play to cater everybody and you play to cater everybody's moods and stuff like that so um, but again you know if, as long as you have a love for music it's it's all it's gonna be there so like even though I hate reggaeton music I'll I'll play it just because I want to get the laser going, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, but yeah, I, it's, it's been an interesting journey as a DJ and I'm still, and even now like flash forward to 10 years later, I'm still 
going through a journey of what I love to do, which is DJing. So, um, and it's the thing is, is like if you're for anybody who loves their craft or loves their art, there's always something that you'll learn about your craft and art that you appreciate. And I always discover anything and everything new about DJing or even music in general. So uh, that to me is something that's that I cherish and that I hold dear to in terms of being a DJ. Yeah, I appreciate that, Stills. So, like, yeah. so basically throughout your 20s, you're basically doing a bunch of gigs. Is it all throughout Montreal? Are you traveling to other cities? Tell us a bit more about what it's like to be a DJ during that time. Because a lot of us uh, are never going to know. Well, here, uh, I just, I was going through my Facebook, uh, you know, the memory thing of, like, you know, uh, the day of what, what you did. So, I realized that you know, I've done Under Pressure, which is a graffiti festival. I've done Under Pressure for a good, like, 13, 14 years. And I remember those were the gigs that I loved every year because you're a DJ, you, you get to shine, you get to do whatever you want to do. I used to just do, like, the beginning parts of the weekend and then whatever and then progress to How doing more. How did you, like, get linked up with them? Like, yo, that's big. Well, the thing is, at the time... I just wrote an email or I, I reached out to whoever was in charge, uh, which is Sterling Downey, who is the uh, city councilor of Verdun, because uh, he's the one that organized it with a few other people, but he's the main guy. But I remember maybe messaging him and I believe um, uh, Melissa was another uh, big part of Under Pressure. So I, mess I think I messaged her too. And that's kind of that beginning part of like, how I just, I just, because they, with Under Pressure, they have, they take local artists if they want to do, like, you know, if you're an MC, they'll, you can do a showcase there. If you're a DJ, you could throw down some beats. If you're, if you're a B-boy, there's DJ battles and stuff like that. If you're a graffiti artist, you've got, you get yourself a wall, you know what I mean? And do some graffiti stuff. And that's, that was at the time a big thing for me because it was a festival. And it was a community festival that was towards artistry. And regardless of how good you are, regardless how much of a veteran you are or a beginner, it's just it's a tight community where it you get to just see people shine or do what they want to do. And also you get to meet people who love just, you know, that type of artistry. So it was a big deal to me that the time when I when I did my first year, and then every year I've done it since just because it's it's more towards being a part of a community than anything. So I that's why I, I always try to hold dear. Like there are years that are just, it was kind of like, eh, and then there was years that were really good years in terms of like what I could do as a DJ. But at the end of the day, it's all about just being, you know, hanging around with people that are just in the same vein or into the same like vein of like what, a community festival is which is just for the people you know what i mean so right. um and <clears throat> yeah I, I it was a big deal at the time it still kind of is a big deal because i just like to meet up with like people uh i've done like now going back i did mention that i like dj bow so i did dmc battles which is basically kind of like a dj battle for turntables to do like a six minute routine and try to impress people uh I've only come in 
like all, I've done it four times throughout the years. I've always came in fourth every year, so it's always a big a bit of a bummer to like like not even crack the top three every year, which is like BS. But you know, it is what it is. But I do try to maybe I do want to maybe do DJ competitions in the future again. But because I'm becoming an, an old hag, it's like. You know, it's like it takes a toll on my body, type of thing. But uh, but no, it's just like uh, you know the highlights too. Like I've done, like I was saying, I was doing like hip hop shows. I remember opening up for some vill- uh, slum village a couple of years ago. That was a big deal for me. Uh, I remember opening up for Method Man with uh, alongside uh, Les, who is a local uh, MC uh, back in the day in Montreal. Ah uh, man, what other hip hop shows? Uh, I've done. I've opened up for uh, uh, Black Milk was another big one for me. And uh, man, I've I know I'm gonna blank out and I'm gonna remember more and more for sure after this interview. But those are the ones that kind of stand out. I know a couple of years ago too, I did open up for a Daft Punk cover band. So mm. that was that was interesting. That was fun. That was good. That was like. Two guys that are just dressed up and just playing like Daft Punk tracks, and I was just kind of in the beginning. So you're like playing. an actual DJ, and they're like yeah. guys who are mimicking their like actions while playing Daft Punk tunes. But it was good. Uh, they're cool guys. Uh, I forget their real names, but the but the, again, it was like make remixes of Daft Punk's tracks, which is fine. But I was digging it because I for sure was never going to see Daft Punk in, in real life. And Lauren, I'll never see them again since they've split up. But it was it was uh, it was a good time. Like I've done a lot of I've, I've joined a lot of bands, too, and played as a DJ. Like I know with my brother, he has a lot of bands. I know I used to join them on stage and do cuts in between breaks and stuff like that. So those were um those are interesting. So I love to play with um, with bands. Uh, oh, I should mention too. If any of like shout out to like uh, to the Urban Science crew uh, a couple of years ago, uh, because every Thursday at the time, Urban Science would hold a cipher. I don't know if you know uh, yeah. uh, the Urban Science crew. And a lot of times per month, like I started maybe three four years ago doing like nights with them being their DJs. So uh, I would play in between tracks, but also too, it's cool to kind of jam with them to play uh, with tracks that they give me kind of like a eight to 16 bar to do cuts over, you know what I mean? So those jamming with like urban science is probably a great highlight for me as well, because like the artist, like the, the, like the band itself is kind of like there's different bands that rotate throughout the week, but they're all like supreme, like, like, uh, musicians in their own rights, you know? Uh, and then you got MCs that come in and they do their freestyles and stuff like that. And then you got peace singers too, that sing. It's just, I think what I like a lot about a lot of, like I was saying, underground, uh, events and stuff, uh, is it's just kind of like, an open field for a lot of artists to shine um, and just, and give like a lot of like freedom to like have, cause I, I've always liked doing improv. So it's just like to jam with like different artists and stuff. It's cool. 
and different different musicians and different MCs. It's just it's pretty sick to kind of be out of your comfort zone as a DJ and just jam, you know. Yeah, I like this so, whole like aspect of DJ as an artistry. So like, what's been interesting talking to DJs is just how like versatile the term actually is so you have don smooth who's like radio dj guy and yeah he does do events and stuff but there's also that whole radio element to what he he brings to a table right then you have this guy dj uh bobby Payne, where really what he wants to be is the guy that pauses the track and says shit like that's it no but i mean like basically he broke it i mean i'm simplifying it and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not even boring when you watch yeah. dj bobby Payne and he just possibly goes okay whatever my laid back bobby Payne voice and then he just like fucking lets it go it's like amazing shit i can't describe why i like it but he does mm-hmm. it very well like he was part of dj cruise and that was his job almost to be like the hype man of the situation yeah um and then uh like you talk to somebody more like a bashment booth and he's all about like curating the perfect experience right and then we talk to you now and it's like this concept of artistry where like now all of a sudden it's about the technical aspects the scratching it's almost like the concept is like dj overflow creating like the instrument the instrumentalist of a dj rather than just dj overflow the curator of a good experience which he also is so book him <clears throat> yes thanks for the plug uh, <laughs> but no it's just again like great djs are, are all around djs that are real djs in the sense that you know what you're getting booked for Right, so there are times where you have to be the curator at a, let's say, at a launch, uh, at a whatever, a museum gathering, and you curate like lounge music, you know, just to kind of appease people while they're watching art or looking at art on a, on a, on a, on a wall. Or there could be other events where you're DJing a wedding and you know you're playing the hits and you're being, uh, you know. Uh, you know, you're being hyped. You know, you're trying to get the people going to celebrate. Um, you know, a, a husband and groom getting hitched. You know what I mean? Uh, you're playing at a like a. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the weirdest gig that I've ever done, but you. It, it all depends on what your uh, your uh, your getting paid to do. But again, it's like as much as those gigs are all right because I'm getting paid for it. Like there are gigs too that you just you want to shine as like an artist and just be like the curator plus add some technical aspect to it as well as being clever. And if you, there's a lot of DJs too that like to talk on the mic and be hyped, they can do all that too. There are DJs that can be very versatile all around, or there are DJs that can be one, two, three dimensional, which is fine too. It's all about just getting the people going. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I think that's what people that's what I tell people like DJs or people who want to be DJs it's like okay cool you want to be a DJ what kind of DJ do you want to be do you want to be a a, like a club DJ do you want to be a hype DJ are you a producer and you just want to play your tracks you know what I mean because there are a lot of great producers who become DJs Uh, I guess case in point with K Trinata would be the best uh, example that I can think of from the top of my head, like there's Tommy Cruz, there's, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking out on a, a lot of good homegrown Montreal producers who yeah, are, have like, Deuce God technically took a path like that. 
yeah so there you go so it does just just like and the thing is too as i tell is like anybody can be a dj it's not like i don't think it's rocket science on how to be a dj it's just how you want to proceed as a dj and for what reason like i've seen enough people that just want to be a dj just because they want to whatever they want to get rich get laid the, the rock and roll lifestyle right you know what i mean but there are djs too that just take approach of it as an artist who do technical stuff and you know and that's cool too you know what i mean so i think the versatile of i think what the dj is and people should know is that there are a wide range of djs that could do almost anything and everything or just be limited and still be good you know what i mean i've seen enough house djs that are really good that i love and they just do minimum but they just make like they get the night going and they play great house music you know what i mean so um and that's what's that was one of the other aspects of why i love being a dj because i could i could be one thing at one time i could be another thing at another time but at the end of the day it's like i don't want, i just i just what i try to do is i just add my ever whatever flavor that i could put in to kind of be me you know what i mean yeah I think it's super yep. nifty too. It's like effectively your career ends up getting split into two sides of it. The part where you pay the bills, where you do what's asked of you and you're like, okay, fine. I'm not going to ask questions. Like if you at like a seven year old birthday party spinning, maybe it's not the right time for Tupac. Or maybe it is. I have enough clean edits for Tupac. Like for okay. Tupac okay. Tracks, so. You know what I meant? But like, I get to say, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough, eh? Because you could probably drop so, the but clean wanna, talk. <laughs> but also, yeah, I want to educate these kids of what, the, like, you know, what, you know, the school of hard knocks is is compared to whatever hip-hop that's coming out these days. It's like, you know what I mean? But again, it's to each his own, you know? But So I guess as I a DJ, though, okay, because what's super interesting to me, too, is as a DJ, ultimately, you're kind of required to follow the trends because that's going to keep you employed at the yeah. end of the day the shit people is going to be expecting you to play so you kind of have to listen to whatever billboard is going to be pushing because that's like a reflection of i guess what people are expecting we'll call it right whereas mm -hmm. myself i'm like deep into underground so i'm finding golden music all over right mm -hmm. and there is like these two realms that are happening now um do you do you ever like get the opportunity to play in situations where you're able to pull from the underground or do you get the do you get to play montreal music i try to find places that i can i have a lot of montreal content music i have a lot of mcs that are friends of mine that are, you know they, they would you know send me tracks and stuff uh the best ones are probably again like a, a lot of the underground events like like maybe a uh like a like at uh, Le Cipher with the Urban Science Crew, if I'm an opener, or if I'm opening for a, a hip hop act at a sh local show, or or if it's at a like really kind of like w unknown bar that has you know no kind of like with the crowd just being kind of open or whatever, maybe I'll slip in some one or two like hip local hip-hop stuff or canadian hip-hop stuff or whatever like deep underground to see if anybody would react or maybe have that one or or two people that be like oh my god you're playing mazai and that's dope you know what i mean so it's like 
it kind of varies. I I have that in my arsenal of terms of like my musical library, but you know, I'll, it has to be kind of like deep for me to play those things depending on what where I'm DJing. So, because yeah, I started as I talk to a lot of people, right? One of the things as a as a rapper I go is how the hell do I get a DJ to play my shit, <laughs> right? Like. That's a big question. Now I'm like, wait a second. I have to actually think about this in a couple of months. I got some shit DJs may want to play. Um, so it's like, what do you do then to get like in general? How does like how do we get this point where DJs feel more inclined to play local music? And how do we even create a point where venues want that to happen too? Like the people hiring you. How do we like, I guess, create that synergist relationship between all of us? In your opinion. Oh man. Uh, well, the let's say you're dealing with a promoter or a bar owner, venue owner. They, well, I would stay away from like big time venues. I would try to go like really deep underground venues or bars with stages. I think maybe my the best example I could think of is like Turbo Haas on Saint Denis. Because he got bands that play there, and I'm I have a I have a friend of mine who's doing like Wednesday nights there with his group, uh, hip hop act. Uh, shout out to Grown MTL. Uh, so you gotta have to find something that's really deep. You gotta talk to the owner, promoter to to kind of pitch your idea if they're down with it, and then you got you gotta talk logistics and money stuff to see if that's if that's always an issue, and then. Once that's covered, then let's say you talk to your DJ. Like to be honest, you could get any DJ you want in a sense. Well, depending on what you want to do in terms of your act, if you just want a DJ to just play tracks and then whatever and put a smiley face uh, while he's pressing play, cool. Uh, I've seen enough DJs that would just do that. You know, have the little controller and and stuff like that. But. Um, I, but again, it's uh, that's just for me personally. That's just not me. Like I rather, if I was gonna open up for an MC, I obviously we have to have a good connection, a good, not connection, but good communication, and see what they want to do, or if they want to do flip stuff, or, or be creative on whatever. That's kind of where the D, that MC and the DJ have to figure out something. But I think locally. There are very, there are a lot of places here in Montreal. Well, I'm I'm only saying that pre-pandemic. I don't know how it is now, depending right. on how we move forward. But there's so many places that you can do, or just like you can always just rent like a like a little like a little area, and that has a stage and just throw something underground and and stuff like that. So like you can go old school route, and just like do a like get a abandoned warehouse and whatever or just something but that's that all just depends on what you want to do or what you want to get or what you want to organize you know what i mean but Personally, i think yeah i want people to care i don't yeah for me it's less about like what i want right because yeah i think a lot of people have wanted a lot of things and in my opinion the scene at least on the anglo montreal hip-hop side is not in the healthiest place in the city we could do a little yeah. bit better so it's like yeah. in my head, it's like you're a DJ, man. You know a lot about parties. You know a lot about vibes and stuff. So it's like, what do you do to like evolve the situation? Man, uh, I think for DJs, like I'd love, my goal would be to like throw my own type of underground party 
get myself another DJ so we could do a back to back and just play tracks all night and get the people going and just play whatever suits the crowd. I maybe would invite I but this is just me though, but I would definitely could I I lo- the best ones that I like in terms of like hip hop shows are shows that you could like for like if you invite like let's say B boys to come in and just move throughout the night and just play old school hip hop tracks, jams and poppers and stuff and get that going. Something like along the lines of like an under pressure but just more underground. Uh but again that's just something where I don't know if this day and age how much how many people here in Montreal would be would be into like going to that. And again, this is me speaking pre pandemic. Uh mm. like it's a little I would, bit tougher. I would now. argue there's a high okay. So I think the scene is like this. Whatever you okay. think of, there are definitely enough people that want to do it. The problem yeah. is how do we find the people that want to do it and get them to show up? And the downside to that, in my experience, is like if you take a decipher, they're at what volume like fucking four hundred and change or some shit like that. Like they've done it forever and ever. I don't know actually yeah. how high it is. It took them like <laughs> years and years and years to establish yeah. their reputation. Like usually it's yeah. just that the first like ten of them aren't lit, so yeah. people don't well, really like that, run it. <clears throat> that's always in terms of events or projects. That's always a given where unless you're a big time celebrity or you're you're big on YouTube, Facebook or whatever or on Instagram. I mean, on, on not Instagram. Uh, well, yeah, Instagram. But even uh, nowadays, like TikTok, unless you have a, like a name, you won't get you'll, you'll get people to support you, maybe your friends and family or whatever. But, yeah, it is a slow build before you become synonymously well known in terms of whatever event so i think it's just the willingness to find people that are at least willing to give it a shot for at least a few times before anything so and it's tough because i've seen enough people do projects or do events whereby a couple of weeks later or two or a few months later they kind of stop because Either it's costing them money or lack of interest. So it's just one of those things where if you're really committed to do it, you just got to have to beat the hurdle to try to. And that's kind of, I guess, with uh, urban science. Yeah, they've done it for X amount of years. And but yeah, from the stores that I know, because they started in a small ass kind of venue at Blurry or even before that and then Blurry was just kind of like a small, and then they progressed to getting bigger venues, and then that a lot of people were starting to show up, and they figured out that Thursday nights was their their best nights to have it, and they you know they they changed concepts pretty much so to what they like now. So it's just with any artist, it's like if you're gonna commit to it, at least give it a shot to try to just get the things going. Like for us DJs, it's like. If we get nights to do whatever, uh, like I know there, I've been booked on uh, like for certain nights at a place, and it would be dead because they're you know they just opened up or it's just a new event and stuff, and hardly anybody would come, and then it would just have to like you would have to slowly build to it. So it's 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 a tough task, especially for a lot of local artists that want to do. And commit to something like that, you know. Yeah, I guess that's the harsh reality of it, right? Like nothing yeah. is easy. 
in this. Yeah. And like oftentimes it's not going to be like your first ones or oftentimes I find what happens is actually your first one goes really well and then it dips for the next like seven. Well, the thing is, if you if you're whatever you start, most likely it's doing well because you have friends that are there to support, back you up, help out, whatever. But like, like I'm, I'm going to be real with you. Like I have. I have family, you know, I have family and friends that are supportive of what I do, but in the reality of things, like, they're, 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 only, they're only supporting you morally, but, you know, I, I can't ask, like, uh, I especially with a lot of my friends and family that grew up, that grow up, have families, they're not going to come out every Thursday or Friday or whatever next to them DJing because they got lives or they got, you know, families or they're in a relationship or they're, or they're just outgrowing the party lifestyle or nightlife, you know what I mean? So it's just it's just kind of something to think about too, at least from my perspective, being a DJ because I, you know, because as much as I promote myself on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on whatever that I'm DJing here on Friday nights and DJing here on Saturdays, I don't expect anybody that, that I know that to come unless it's a, under a special occasion. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's just kind of the reality I, I accepted a long time ago. Like I still want to pursue a, a life as a DJ. I still want to be where I want to be in terms of, but I have to project more on strangers and people that you know dig whatever i'm doing as a dj to come by and help me versus having friends and families who are there ultimately just to see that i'm doing great whatever i post something on facebook get those likes and those hearts and stuff like that but the reality is it's like you're doing this because you're like artists are doing all this because of the love of what they love to do regardless of like how many people there are like there to support you physically you know what i mean yeah but on top of that like like friends and family like it's they're not really like i mean to like flip it how about how i've started to look at it is like yo i'm a rapper which provides a service slash commodity into the world it's like a business thing at the end of the day now as much as it might be art as much as i might love doing it i'm creating products Mm -hmm. that i'm trying to flip like Mm -hmm. If you're making a business, 99% of the people that are going to consume your product are probably not your friends and family if you're successful. You know, like, so it's like, that's why I'm trying to make the big bucks. But it's like relying on them too. Like, I find like a lot of us, and I I mean, just what I've witnessed personally done in the past kind of thing, like, we put such a burden on the people we know. Like, I barely talk about what I do. I mean, I post about it like nonstop, but like, I don't actually try to promote a lot of what I do because they do all this shit. And it's like, yo, I'll promote the fuck out of myself to a stranger. And <laughs> I meet in the street, right? Like, that's a completely different yeah, vibe. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. But, like, yo, like, if like if you're, if you're just, like, you, you probably know what I do if I know you. And if you're already down, you're here. And, yo, people tell me shit like, yo, I like to lurk on your shit. And I'm like, say a word. That's so flattering and whatnot, you know? And those moments are really cool for me. I don't. I don't get enough of that. I like if there are friends that are watching right now. I need you to kind of lurk and just like message me saying, "Oh, you know, that w- you look good in that T-shirt today." So it's like, you know what I mean? I need. An, I need a lot of those just to kind of boost my kind of like self-esteem. I mean, I watched you under pressure, and it was wonderful. 
I that was a good time though. I I know, and I was just playing with my new controller that was there. But I didn't want to play hip hop music because I know everybody else was gonna do it. So I just play. I just played anything random that I could that popped in my head. So I ended up playing break beats of remixes of tracks. Like like this is like my third time playing a Madonna song at under pressure. So it's like, but like, but hopefully, but it's almost like. I don't know if like there's a requirement that you have to play hip hop songs. No. If anything, it's a graffiti festival. Yeah. You know, like. But that's the thing. It's like with a lot of DJs that I know. It and I love, you know, all the DJs that were there, like Easy LD, Killer Jewel, Manzo, and, and all those guys. Quite sane. But you kind of know most of the time with a lot of those DJs what their sets are going to be in terms of you know hip hop kind of like hip hop must plays even underground stuff like <clears throat> your uh, Smith and Wesson and whatever uh, like uh, playing you know a lot of uh, uh, Dr. Dre or uh, you know whoever like I know yeah Easy LD you know, he's my homie uh, and I know he played I know he played uh, a, like a like a kind of a little Beastie Boys medley which kind of like I loved it but it kind of pissed me off because I was just like oh man I want to play this track and I want to play this track and you were like so, right after him if I'm not mistaken yeah 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 I was and I was just like dude but I ended up playing maybe one Beastie Boys track of a remix but it was fine but I think what's great with DJs if playing one after the other is for me, I kind of like to, if, if I know a DJ and their style, I'll try to kind of maybe come, come up with something different just because I don't want people to think that I'm just a carbon copy of any other DJ. You know what I mean? So don't get me wrong. I'll, I love to play a lot of those jams. I, I, that's on my like Spotify playlist galore my hip-hop collection, my vinyl collection, but it's just, if I can play something different to stand out, awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, I like the passion that you have towards creating your own individual style. And I noticed as I was watching your mix, I mean, I've watched you DJ a few times, but like half the time I've watched you DJ, I'm like raiding into your shit post-stream, so I'm like, I, I can need, tell you I need more that is the worst time to ever pay attention. Like, yo, I promise. Like, if I've rated you, psh, yeah. I'm not really there. Except, unless you're talking <laughs> to me directly. Sometimes people catch my attention. But usually I'm like, all right, bathroom break, this thing, okay, what are we eating? Like, you know, we got the po And then I'm like, oh, hey, you guys are awesome. <laughs> as long as you're playing me, like, in the background, doing whatever. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, you don't raid in and then turn it off. You raid in and yeah. drop the volume to, like, 4% as you go do the next <laughs> That's but, the thing with rate. That's the thing with rating. It's like if I, because I don't mind rate trains and stuff like that. It's fine, but let's be real. And I'm probably gonna shoot myself in the foot by saying this if nah, a lot won't. of these. But it's just like with the like, if if I'm part of a rate train and whatever, I'll listen to your set for a good three minutes and then I'll just kind of like, 
get out, you know, or just get out. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you just finished your set. Like, it's kind of yeah. like when you finish rapping at the show, and as much as you hate to be that asshole, and I have to rethink my tactics in the future is why I'm saying it like this. Yo, the first thing I do, I don't even care if an expense is on stage as my homeboy. First thing I'm doing is shooting outside to light one up, right? Like, it's, yeah. I just finished my shit, which, again, yeah. I really need to rethink that habit as the live community comes back in because it's probably not the right, right choice. But, like, at the same time, it's like, yo, like, especially if I've done, like, currently I've been streaming two hours and 34 minutes. I promise whoever the fuck I raid into the next 10 minutes of my life after the last thing I really want to do is sit in front of my fucking computer. And, like, because, yo, I mean, I love this part of it. But, like, the 10 minutes after you're, like, the last thing you really want to do is be sitting right in front of your computer doing exactly what you was just doing. That's it. So, like, I know... I <laughs> I know after this, I'm probably gonna go get something to eat. Maybe you skim through whatever's on Facebook or on on Twitch, and then I could have to work on doing a mixtape. So I'll probably have to go through my library of music. But yeah, I know I feel you because it's just like, you know, you after you're streaming or whatever you're said, you just kind of want to chill. You know what I mean? So it's like. I know, but again, it depends on who I. Uh, let's say for like DJ sets, like if I know who's next, who's right next, and I, I'm, I like their whatever music, or if I like their DJ, if I know this DJ and I respect them and whatever, want to hear stuff, yeah, I'll stick around for a bit. You know what I mean? And that's what I tend to do often, just mm. to kind of hang out. But no, I feel you too. Where it's like, I'll, I'll like I, come even, back in fifteen minutes and check in then usually. Yeah, it's like I'll get, let me just get a slice of pizza first, and then I'll be back and watch the second half of the set. Or even a lot of times, if I if I don't know the DJ or I care less about whatever artist or DJ, I'm not gonna lie. Like I'll pack up my stuff and I'll just leave. I know, know exactly. I mean, like we're just being honest here. I mean, I yeah. don't mean no, it no, like I... in the rudest way, but like, or sometimes like your mood is what it is like sometimes you feel like yo i want to do this because yo if you're doing the raid train life this could turn into like very frequent like okay let's talk about that so like i assume you're just doing your live shit and then at some point the pandemic fucks up your life yeah so how does it was horrible (laughs) so like um what what happened at that point for you man uh okay so let's let's backtrack a bit uh, because let's say let's start okay 2019 I was still DJing but I wasn't passionate enough because I was doing gigs that were just kind of like heartless I was making great money but DJing at an empty room I'm not going to name the place because I still want to go back there to make money <laughs> but whatever <laughs> I, I really hope uh, whatever. whatever anyway so yeah I was doing gigs making money but i wasn't and i had a daytime job and whatever my my life was just like pointless at 2019 so i i knew i needed to recharge and get motivated so i ended up doing at 2020 i ended up traveling and i went back to could i go to california multiple times i just love california so i ended up uh, for the second time going across california like start, but this time I started like in LA and made my way up to like Sacramento. But I I know friends in California that I can always hook up with. But I I like going to California because I could be a stranger. You know, I always love going to Santa Monica, uh, Venice Beach, just to hang out there. And and what's cool is like people there are like super dope. They just like people of 
whatever class you are, if you're living in the streets or if you're just middle class or whatever, every place is kind of chilling with each other. So it was not hard for me to, to kind of just meet people and just talk, and they talk about the stories, like what we're doing right now, basically, you know what I mean? So, you know, and I, yeah, I just, I went there, I met DJs. I had family in San Francisco, Oakland. I saw them. I have a friend DJ in Sacramento. She kind of helped me kind of rejuvenate my love for DJing. Cause she did, cause she, at the time she was DJing at a bar, all nothing but vinyls, right? So she kind of challenged me to like, hey, I'll give you an hour set uh, with the massive collection of vinyls that I have pick your whatever records and try to do a set for an hour. So I did. It was all funk music. I loved it. I got the scratch. Uh, and then the big kicker after Sacramento is I traveled all the way to New Orleans. And that music galore, I just fell in love with New Orleans. I got to listen to like jazz. I got to listen to blues. I met different people. I met different DJs and different artists. Um, uh, and this was all during a time when they were doing like a Star Wars theme Mardi Gras, so that that freaked the hell out of me. So it was uh, it was good. Like I, I was Hold motivated. On. I came. You were at Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Well, it was a it wasn't like officially Mardi Gras, but it was a Star Wars theme Mardi Gras. So it was something that they closed off. So we say, like, are, are we saying like stormtrooper heads and titties? Uh, well, it was a fam. It was a. Uh, family friendly type of mm. Mardi Gras because there were kids but I wouldn't be lying if there were if there was like at the point of Mardi Gras that you know there were people showing some like you know some stuff you know what I mean because there were people throwing beads anyways but I think for the most part it was just fun to kind of just see people dressed up cosplay of Star Wars and Star Trek themed like sci-fi that so sounds like a, a very fun Mardi Gras for me I would like that well, one yeah, if I can go back, I just gotta remember it's like middle. Of, if you remember middle of January, it, apparently it's a yearly thing. Yo, bro, like, I'm gonna be like, googling Star Trek Mardi Gras or Star Wars Mardi Gras after this. I want to see pictures of this shit. Oh man, I'll send you pictures uh, right after the stream or something. Don't just remind me. But yeah, it was crazy because the thing too is like after the parade, like the streets are just filled and a lot of bars were filled, so no, you can you can go in. But there were still people like selling beer on the streets so i got to hang with people in the streets while drinking beer cops were cool like there was a band playing outside there was like two bands playing outside i met this mc that was freestyling uh and he was dope you know what i mean uh so it was just like uh it was fun it was fun times and that's where it was kind of rejuvenating for me to musically to kind of get back to montreal and just kind of be you know, back into the DJ and seeing with passion and optimism and stuff like that. So I was doing good. I was getting back or doing my weekly thing and so I was getting gigs and I was, you know, trying to do some gigs in, let's say, Toronto and Ottawa with people who have connected prior and stuff like that. And then it was good. And then March 2020 came in and then boom. Boom. It was, Big change. Boom. I remember it was March 15th because that was, was the date. Yes, because it was the day that I, I, I was temporarily let go from my day job that ended up being permanent, and then a lot of the gigs kind of closed and canceled, and I was just kind of like, ugh. And then throughout the summer, and then I got hurt and was crippled for two months in 
winter of last year, so that was a big that was a big ass depression right there, and uh, it was just it was tough. It was I'm not gonna lie. It's just one of those things where going into 2021, I knew that if I want to get back to passion and love of life and stuff, I want to just pursue the things that I want to do. So and that was DJing. I knew it was gonna be tough because we don't know what's gonna happen. Like, let alone what's going to happen after the summer with all this, you know, variance and all this and that. But at the end of the day, I'm going to try to, like, at least get myself into uh, a better position of, you know, trying to just be happy in life, right? So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how it was for me during the pandemic. It was just, it was a lot of up and downs, you know. I think, like, everybody, every artist, Every DJ that I know, every MC, every beat maker who are that rely on like you know the career of an artist to get through mm. financially, as well <laughs> as you know the hospitality life, bars and and restaurants were closed. It was just um, it was tough. I'm it was tough in the sense that I was just kind of stuck in bed for a good two months doing nothing and and you know. Uh, I, yeah, okay, I was doing Twitch and stuff, and it was cool, and and I got to meet, the highlight was to just meet different DJs in different places, different MCs, and I met you, of course, and I've seen your stuff, uh, like, through Twitch, and and it was fine and dandy, but again, it's like, you know, I just, it was just kind of a big letdown, just going into 2020 with such high like with just such a high basically of uh trying to you know pursue a, a goal that I, I set myself for that year and it just didn't fell through and i'm just trying to push that mindset through 2021 and hopefully through 2022 but again it's just kind of a little bit because i used to i used to kind of like plan out how things would go on for me like a couple of like I plan things right per se it's for as far as DJing and you know stuff like that but it's just everything now that I try to do it's gonna be basically with an asterisk because I it's it's hard to tell what's gonna happen at this point with life so that's but I'm, I'm I'm but I'm you know I'm trying to be optimistic my 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 saying throughout so many years is just live one day at a time and it's more evident and important to me to, to keep that kind of notion to me now just to go everything one day at a time and we'll see yeah i hear that i mean it's interesting you say that like i've never made money on music i've always just made money at work so when the pandemic kicked in it was like i'll say a word people are interested in the internet for the first time this is really good for me <laughs> I've been doing this internet shit for a minute because I was not like ever getting paid to rap. So at a certain point, as like a person, I'm like, say a word. I probably am gonna not. I I, I would have lost money in certain occasions to have like gone to shows rather than. And that's not really the you know in like your late twenties, early thirties. The last thing you really want to be doing is losing money on a Friday night like that. And like yeah. when I say it like that, I mean you might go, but what if a per no? Trust me. You would have spent money to get on these tickets. You would have put up $50 just to get on the show. There's very few opportunities for me that weren't like that. And then I'm going down there and I recruited like no fans time and time and time again. Like it didn't actually give me an ROI. I actually just did better on YouTube. <laughs> it was the facts of the situation. Um, 
but then yo it's crazy as march i was like okay but like youtube's not really like life life <laughs> you know like it's it's like you do kind of want to like pursue the real life thing um and then i swear my first show that i had promoted set up ready to go march 20th 2020 and then march 15th came i mean on the other hand i'm quite like in a sense grateful because it didn't flop right it wasn't yeah. like i threw a show and it flopped in fact i booked a bunch of people and i just they, their names were on the flyer and, and whatnot and then it just got canceled by the government so i just kind of yeah. came out of that with a lot of people remembering that i booked them for a show but like, you, mu- you made you must have made a flyer so you might as well just you know frame that and keep that yo, like it's the background what could have been it's actually still because it was the background on my work computer before covid because i was flexing so like yeah. cause, you know you see it on the monitor when you'd walk by and then i mm-hmm. just never changed it <laughs> it's still the background of my work computer right now just whatever just keep that as like a, a memento or something of a of a just kind of an idea of like to do it maybe try again in the future or something like, like no yeah we, we are like straight up like i fucking swear like this real life thing is there but like for me it's like you also can't now forget the internet because your know, twitch was really powerful in my life like it went from being boring to interesting and really it's because youtube live is trash like to me as a platform it's really trash um, well it sucks because i did i did try youtube live and facebook live uh i knew about twitch too for a long time i just never really pursued it until everybody really got into the twitch bandwagon but because i was at the time trying to do uh, just, you know, like basically what every DJ is doing online. Uh, I was trying to do that on, you know, YouTube live or, uh, Facebook live or even live stream. But again, it's like with DJs, it's tough because copyright infringement. So you get stopped if you're playing a song. Did you, did you have that issue on Twitch? No, not yet. I don't think you're going to have it happen on Twitch yet. <clears throat> not well. Okay. So what? is happening on twitch right now is during live streams we don't get stopped not yet i'm not i don't think it's gonna kick in i'm telling you i think amazon yeah. is like anyway i have a theory on that but go on yeah. no well i i there's an, there is other uh platforms that are going to be maybe coming for the forefront like i know two in particular that might i might jump in in the future but at least one of them is free the other one you have to pay but I think I don't have an opinion on in, in terms of what I think it's just because there's just an amount of DJs that are on Twitch that are just doing it. And we none, no DJs haven't been stopped yet in terms of their live streams. I know my pre-recorded stuff or post-recorded stuff that's saved uh, is muted, at least a lot of sections of it. But... Uh, I, yeah, you know what? It might come maybe sooner or later. Will, though. Yo, because here's think? why. Because, uh, yo, you can see it because Twitch went ahead and partnered with the little guys. I know yeah. it sounds wild, and this is a, this might be a theory, but check it. YouTube partnered with Vivo in, like, 2010. What is Vivo yeah. but the three major labels teaming up to go fuck off? We actually need to deal with making money on YouTube. And so it's really connected to the major labels, which just tells us off the jump that Google is down with the major labels. So really all of the copyright shit, it's to give more bank to the major labels. And that's like the deals they worked out. Yeah. Facebook 
is like everyone hates Facebook. So they're just under attack because they can. And so give us bank and the same kind of shit. And Facebook panders to the law because literally the government's scrutinizing them. So they just have no choice but to like uphold copyright law. Yeah. Uh, Twitch is owned by Amazon, who owns the backbone of the internet, which is Amazon Web Services. Yeah. So my theory is literally nobody is going to go after Amazon like that right now. And Amazon, instead of going alongside... So with the majors, they comply with the muting because that's the mm -hmm. video on demand. With the streaming, though, whatever, they let it be. Uh, it's a different situation. It's a different set of rules. It's a different whole mm -hmm. thing, right? But the real issue where everyone else is video on demand. So you're not... Yeah. So you're getting clipped because of the video element of it, right? Yeah. And so they mute the parts that would make the labels come and do it. But when you look at the Twitch situation, it was always manual DMCAs. It was never automatic. Yeah. So that means that people are like actively going out of their way to like attack it in a sense. And Twitch isn't necessarily cooperating or because they could have this whole time, yeah. but they chose not to. And they know that video on demand is not the reason people come to Twitch. They come to Twitch in order to watch the live streams. Yeah. And I think now let's talk like not kind of like talking about it. It's just because there's just an, a, a, a massive amount of DJs all over the world that are just streaming for X, Y, Z reasons. Obviously, they want to maybe make money. Obviously, they just need to for practice, to connect with other DJs, to connect with people. And it for DJs, for Twitch, uh, as a DJ, it's there's a lot of benefits to it. I, I'm not... Like I'm thinking, the most I've made is like twenty bucks, which is fine with me. But it's not like I want to make money. If I if I could get a lot of viewers and just kind of just do what I love to do, and just for them to just maybe be a part of their day for a good two hours, that's already golden for me. You know what I mean? Because I'm just entertaining with what I love to do as a DJ. But you know, I think with Twitch and whatever Amazon, I think they should just. If it comes to the realization that they're getting more views and a good portion of it is because there's a lot of DJs, uh, hey, you well, know, all I just power think to that like DJ Twitch has decided to also like foster independent music, right? And I yeah. say that because they partnered with everything that's effectively Empire and Down, right? Which is the whole indie scene. So clearly yeah. they want to be a safe haven for music in a sense, yeah. right? Like this is a move. Yeah. Why? Because gamers are like hella saturated and whatnot. And yeah. um, so again, this is all my theory, right? And uh, yeah. so I think that knowing that YouTube is really pro major label shit, they're going to just not give in in the same way and cater in the same way. Instead, it feels yeah. like they're doubling down on the idea of music being a central part of Twitch. And if you do yeah. look at people who get clipped, it's always gamers using music in situations. So it's mm -hmm. never really, you've not heard of anyone in music being fucked up by Twitch. No. So that leads me to believe that Twitch really has a vested interest in making sure that you're able to continue to DJ on Twitch. And you mm -hmm. might lose your video on demand. That's a whole other situation. Which but is not an issue for me, to be honest with you. Like, I think for the most part, I, like there was a point where I was just not saving my uh, my videos just because there's no point because a good portion of it has been kind of muted. But again, it's like your best bet. Like, and again, is like if people want to hear you, you set a good consistent time frame of when you want to DJ or whatever. People will show up. 
just because they want to hear something in the background or they just want to see you or if you're like a really hot female dj they're gonna watch you so you know what i mean so uh it's just it's an open field for djs to just shine in general whether you're you only have like two like followers versus uh dj like high class djs that have like you know, close to like 10,000 viewers or followers, you know what I mean? So um, the feel is there. It's just that there's a lot of DJs, like there's a lot of gamers, like they're just, you know, basically saturating. Uh, you know what? I don't think Paris Hilton's DJing anymore, so thank God for that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think for the most part, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's good. I think for DJs and for artists, because I know bands, and producers and beat makers are on here too just showing up this stuff yeah there's a so, bunch of freestylers out there too <clears throat> there you go you know what i mean uh and again this is a good feel for just people who just you know still fretful of you know going outside or just you know or or they're introverts that just want to stay still stay home and stuff like that it, it, this, the 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 feel the the possibilities for for twitch just could be so. it's just great more so than being like it's more of a pro than being a con type of thing well i mean the at other, least in my mind i think the problem with twitch is that people a lot of people went into it thinking it's going to be like youtube or something and it's really yeah. not like youtube and facebook these are algorithmic growth games there's no yeah. real algorithm in twitch <laughs> it's, yeah it's more like if you want to grow on twitch you have to go make friends and go on their discords and get into ch like it's a lot of discord work actually twitch is actually are you, are you on discord yeah if you if yeah, anyone in my chat ever hits exclamation mark discord i made a little macro it says come uh join the discord so the problem with the no algorithm ishmael is that it makes it really fucking hard to like grow because it literally means you need to kind of build a team out specifically on that like growth strategy because you're busy live streaming all the time slash doing your job slash whatever whatever and then you're not really left in a position to like promote whereas something like youtube i was able to grow for that minute when it was like kind of growing a little bit where like yo i didn't actually have to do anything more than continue to create content which worked out really well for me when i started on twitch because I had like somebody like you, Ishmael and Lindell, if you're still watching, who would like come through in the chat when nobody else would. And it was almost like I got a kickstart. Yo, I got like a really fast growth and then it went to a normal Twitch streamers growth. But that yeah. fast growth was the result of like four years of YouTube and shit. But like, yo, now that that's over and the YouTube algorithm is punishing me because interviews with people is not really its favorite thing. Um, it's like, yo, okay, this is a whole different growth grind where now I have to come at it like completely in different ways because Twitch is a lot more like, I guess, door-to-door salesman-y, right? Like you really have to go out there and like push your shit. And the other side of it is everyone else you know is fucking sending you DMs with their Twitch channel. So you're like fuck i can't be doing that shit now so it's like you yeah. almost have to do this like super passive shit but really it's like yo you get on the discords and then you make friends so like i made friends with we speak english good we're like sister channels as they call it because he does like 
interviews and shit and i'm like say a word and he's like you do interviews and shit and we're just like so we've interviewed each other and then the problem for me is most of my interview peers are like twitch what's a twitch i'm like it's a place where you can make more money than where you're at right now because i did a little better than you did there's this random yeah. one guy in alabama i think it is and he just single-handedly is giving me like about a hundred dollars like, oh, wow. I don't know why nobody knows, but he has, and it's it's like it's wild. But like, yo, it's it's not been that shit for me. Plus, like, if you're able to somehow get to a situation where people are gifting you their Amazon Prime subs and shit like that, like you do a little better than twenty dollars, and then yeah. So it's like there is that potential there, but the other side of it is like it's really hard to like get people to want to tune in on a regular and then it's like that that consistency thing where most days i don't really expect anything anymore like i yo but the problem is at first it's like drugs right you get this crazy growth and then your numbers like fucking drop or all of a sudden like yo it went from like people's there the second you go live to oh i know ain't shit happening till this point and then you're like sitting there by you know, i have streams sometimes where i sit there for like 20 minutes by myself and i'm like yo i've been doing this for a long time to be sitting here for 20 minutes by myself but then that's like ego and shit i get that and then all of a sudden the people come and whatnot and it's a good time but like yo it's like it went from feeling and then you're in that next part where you're like oh say word this doesn't feel as good for my ego it's probably it's good it's a good experience to go through that i'm not saying that it's not and then you have to remember why you do things like you have to constantly remember why you do things because like if you yeah. don't like you get caught up in in distractions like oh my gosh nobody's here today or where the fuck is somebody or why is the it's, chat not here today the chat was so lit last night what the fuck <laughs> no it's 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 yeah i have a like there are times where I would be happy with like 20, 30. I think the most I ever had views coming on would be about maybe 30 to 40 viewers. But that's because I was part of a raid train. Well, I so got hit cool. with 40 viewers one time and it's because pre-traded yeah. me. It was the Don Smooth interview. You see it yeah. in my stats. It's like this one spike that's bigger yeah. than all the other spikes. <laughs> that's it. But I, I think like you, I've had a lot of streams where it was just one viewer and that one viewer was me with another account i'm like you know trade secrets whatever but it's just like hold the it, fuck it, up i don't i have a girlfriend but i never thought of making a second account Tricks yeah, yeah. the trades my friend that's fair right? the trade. mx Get yourself this guy mx in south africa got raided by harry mack with over 500 peoples one day i would like to get a uh a, a raid of just like 500 people i i probably won't no dude reach that you can't. Goal. so here's the thing yeah. it's also like availability right somebody yo yeah. i know for a fact i know for a fact that i was on a raid with somebody and i was with mx in the chat it may have been yeah. after the mx interview and we were in a twitch chat where there was a fucking mod for the Harry Mack fucking stream in that chat. You guys don't all know this, right? But me and MX know this because we talked about that in the chat. We were geeking out at this fucking moment where we're like, we really were like, say word. That's like the Harry Mack or whatever. And I don't know. Um, 
I, I didn't really follow up on that. Maybe maybe it just happened that whoever was there clicked on both our channels and saw what MX did in that moment, right? Because mm -hmm. we were both like flexing, whatever. I just said I interviewed him or whatever. And uh, I don't know who got us there. Probably Ismail. Ismail guides my raid everywhere. Ismail is the reason I know who you are. Ismail is just like, yo, people need that though. That's what people understand is like, Ismail is just out there looking for dope content. That's all he cares about, right? He frankly, in my opinion, doesn't have other priorities. He just likes what he likes, and then he wants to connect those dots. Um, mm -hmm. And with that, it's like people like that are how you grow on Twitch. Because evidently, somehow going to that situation led to fucking Harry Mack. I'm, I'm not like saying I did that. I'm saying I'm pretty sure I was in the moment that led to that. Like I'm pretty sure I was yeah. privy to that moment. And that was that's fucking amazing to see though. But like. That's how the Twitch game works. You have to. Yeah. And then he probably went back to that stream and showed yeah. up. And I fucking can't remember the name of the streamer right now. That's how not good at that part of the grind <laughs> I am at this point in my life. But like, so he did that. And then he gets, he fucking mentioned my name in a fucking bar in that moment. Like, I fucking swear. I've never had that happen. He's like fucking like something like behind that suit feeling like I'm holding. And I'm like, did he just... And then like, right after like this Eminem bar and right before this like fucking and I'm like what the fuck just happened anyway that was like an amazing moment in my life I'm not gonna lie I'm I'm jealous I'm so <laughs> nah DJ overflow it's yeah. but yo part of it though is availability right yeah and being available I mean there I, was there was a th I think I you like you've seen me I was doing like three to four nights a week and then I slowly stopped. Well, I slowly cut down to like two or whatever. And then the summer hit where it's just like I was trying to get more gigs outside. But at the same time, I wanted to go out because like every Canadian, we were stuck inside for winter. Montreal, we were on a lockdown. So we all just wanted to just kind of like the best get out. Freedom. That's, yeah. that's a huge thing that hit my my like why people are, yeah. like, you know, people have lives now in a way they didn't. It. And it changed the Twitch dynamic. Yeah. But I think for me, I'm going to probably go back to doing Twitch once with fall, winter, when it's not like, I don't, we'll see what happens in terms of what's going to go on in terms of the bars and stuff. But I don't think it'll be as impactful. Yo, let me ask People you a serious question. Go ahead. Why are you not busting out a device and going live on Twitch in the bar? I've, I've pitched that idea to a lot of places. The thing oh, is, the places I'm, I'm, don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, because I have to ask mm, a lot. Actually, of like, now I, now that I think about it, let's say we do yeah. this shit on Sunday hypothetically, and you come DJ it. I want to stream yeah. it, so I don't want yeah. you to stream it. Yeah, I actually now understand it, why. <laughs> okay, I get yeah. it. But the thing is, I did pitch the idea. The thing is, a lot of places that I DJ necessarily don't have like strong internet connection. I need to bring my. I need to bring like extra stuff, like my my maybe I have a laptop. But I ha I'm running my I was running my stream through uh, a desktop like a Mac Mini, so I would have to bring that plus to bring a monitor to kind of make sure because I can't just run, run it on like a tablet. Uh, well, because I want to. Can you do all the uh, overlays on that with a tablet? I'm gonna be real with you. If I'm standing in a park, I don't give a fuck about overlays. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, like, like, I don't know if you've ever seen how bad my stream looks by comparison to ever. Dude, that's the black OBS background. 
on the stream. That's not like art. That's just the black of OBS with nothing on yeah. it. <clears throat> That's how yeah. little. I mean, you could argue maybe I could try harder on graphics. I'm like, well, why, man? Like, I don't think a lot of people are avidly watching this <laughs> with their no, eyes and even then, on it. You know, like, yeah, and even they might then, watch the like, chat. Sure, I'll give you yeah. that. But like, yeah. then they're watching the but chat. Maybe yeah, it'd be more for me. Like thinking about it, it'd be more about the music, right? That I would play. And, Plus, like, you can still have like the the stream elements and shit running if you're on the Twitch on your phone. Yeah, I'll, have to, I'll kind of have to run the logistics, but I do want to do that where I would just you know, and that was the idea during the summer that I pitched to a few places where I would just kind of like DJ at whatever night or whatever, and then stream at the same time. I just wouldn't be able to like communicate because I wouldn't be able to see um, uh, the uh, chat or I wouldn't be able to talk and I don't usually talk on the mic when I'm DJing elsewhere. So this would be kind of like whatever comment comes, it would come and I wouldn't be able to see it. But I don't know. Just really, well, uh, I mean, you could also just like manage people's expectations. I can't see the chat. In the in the title of the stream, you know, just yeah, just put a sign or wear a T-shirt or something that says like I won't, I can't see the chat. So, I mean, like because yeah. like that's how I see it working. Cause like yeah, I mean, I want to start doing real life stuff, which means yeah. yo, what am I supposed to do about Golden Jenny in Norway? When I said yeah. we was doing the show and the homeboy Willie Scandals, who also does his thing Friday nights and whatnot, was gonna be there, she was like, "You better stream that." It wasn't like I was given a choice. It was like I felt a little pressure from Norway. That it, you mm -hmm. know, like so, and then we did it on the phone. And was the sound amazing? No, <laughs> but like, did it matter? I don't think so. I think people that are like really just there to vibe with you and see what you're up to, may, maybe they, maybe they like don't. Maybe they're really snobby about the sound, but maybe they just fuck with watching you in a live environment. I was kind of thinking of doing, like, just record whatever, uh, my, either a two, three hour set of where I'm DJing or whatever throughout the night and just kind of post it on Twitch, like live, but pre recorded and then just promote it. That was another idea that I was thinking. But uh, again, you know, just uh, maybe that, that could be another forefront of what I can do just to promote myself and the bar and whatever to come like next time type of thing but um i don't know just it was, there's a lot of ideas bro, of what I, just, I can do bro i just look at it like bars is in a bars is a questionable future for me i look at it like i don't know what happens to bars i mean i know there's a sect of people that will be bar loyalists till they fucking die kind of thing right but like well, they're alcoholics so it's fine <laughs> But alcoholics had to adapt their habits over the last year and a half. Well, just yeah, I guess drink it at home. But they adapt. No, the man, they're in the parks, bro. Oh man, yeah, the parks like crazy right now. But everybody's drinking in parks right now. It's fucking wild. Yeah, I should I should contest because I I do live by like close by the water park or whatever here, and I do see a lot of people just kind of like chilling, drinking and doing other questionable stuff i know the young people that i talk to aren't really that into bars due to the fact that drinks are expensive and they don't have money uh, yeah or they're rich but I, and they like clubs which is a whole other thing 
I've seen a lot of. I don't know if you've is if it's like a lot going on in your neighborhood, but where I'm, there's a lot of like parking lots that are just filled with young people driving their cars and just hanging out and like whatever, drinking or doing shit and stuff like that. I I don't know if that's gonna be the new trend now. I like, do think that you're tapping into what the new trend is, especially here. I think, yo, know, because let's be let's be a little bit honest. A lot of the live local scene was not like in a fiscal sense profitable for the bar owner to host the hip hop show. It wasn't profitable for the rappers to be at the show and it wasn't profitable for the promoter for the most part or they'd break even. So like end of the day, this isn't like the signs of a healthy and thriving synergy between this type of venue and the people that are interested. And I think... Yo, but meanwhile, the best shows I ever performed at, and I've thought about this a lot recently, was at the Fatal Loft. I don't know if you've ever been down there. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while, though. <laughs> but, like, because you could smoke weed inside, and you could drink, and you could just, you know, they, it was maybe a little harder stuff happening there, yes. too. But, like, yo, I'm trying to, I'm was trying like, to remember when I was there. It was, like, like 80 people, 100 people max, but it would be, like, Yo, I'm saying, like, I would do, like, 30-minute sets and these motherfuckers is glued to the stage watching you. And you're like, say word. And they're just lighting up and they're having a good time. And and I was like, okay, so this can happen. But that's a whole different, like, vibe. Because also, we're like, so I guess it hit me. Like, we're like underground hip-hop artists. And maybe that means we need, like, underground environments. Because Fatal is kind of as like the as underground as i ever went as no that's not true i also ended up in this building it was fucking wild it was just like i don't know where it was i couldn't for the life of me tell you but you walked up your third floor walked through some shit and you're just in this room that's now like a venue and it was a fucking like third floor of an apartment building you had to go on the like balcony way to smoke pot type thing yeah what i performed there yeah that shit got shut down by the cops like right after my set I was like, I just finished. Shit got shut down. I was like, oh, say word. Fuck, I forgot about it. So, but like, those environments still had a lot of people. But, like, mm-hmm. the bars? Nah. Or, like, you go to the yeah. rave scene. Man, those... Do you remember, like, those, like, abandoned building rave parties in the 2012 yep. era? You'd have, like, 500, 1,000 people at some of these things. There was a raid I went to. It was behind uh, a Chinese restaurant. Oh my under- gosh! Do you remember? I know I've uh, been it, there. It's the, it's the one. Yeah, it's they were playing. Uh, well, when I was there, it was trap, dubstep, and maybe a bit of drum and bass or something. But I know they played various music on various nights. But yeah, it's like it's a downtown. Yeah. The Chinese restaurant yeah. underground. And then they would turn yeah. off the water, the the cold water, so the only water available was warm water, so you would have to go fucking buy water bottles. Yes, I remember because I, I went there like at 4, 3, after my gig, it was like 3, 4 in the morning, and a friend of mine was just like, hey, let's just go check it out and whatever. I remember paying, I don't know how much it was, like $10 or whatever at the door, but then it's like, you go in. I don't think they served alcohol, but they had energy drinks and yeah, a bottle of water. That was it. And I was, that was all that was, was just, sold there. But yeah, but then I was just like, it was still a good time. I had a good time. It was just, uh, but yeah, I those, I've like for sure a lot of those underground or whatever are happening right now as we speak, and you know, it, but it's just hidden gems, right? So. Because again, those were those those were the things about underground shows or under like 
warehouse shows and i remember friends of mine that would do like little raves at like forests like at a forest like like 40 minutes outside of montreal at this little who knows where and they would just play like jungle music and and stuff like that i've never been i've only been to a few times like after our like raves but this is when i was like super young yeah well my brother in 2012 ish somewhere around when i started rapping for reals my brother had been in the dj scene for a minute and he was like actively a dj for like three years Yo, so I would go to like support him and do Molly. Um, it was amazing, and so like, (laughs) yo, it was amazing. It was some of the best nights. Like, I don't give a fuck. I just wrote an album about doing Molly and striking out. Like, I fucking swear, I just recapped all those memories into a project that's coming. But like, it was it was truly incredible shit, man. The first time you stand in front of a speaker ripped out of your fucking mind listening to deep bass music is something that you will never forget for the rest of your life like it is an incredible mm-hmm. time plus you remember mm-hmm. the shit that happens when you're on molly so it's like a good one yeah. like that i've never t- yeah, i'm not gonna lie i've never taken molly i've never taken shrooms i've like i've only been like drinking beer and smoking weed but that's as far as i go in terms of mm-hmm. like drugs it has so, been but- probably half a decade since i've touched that i'm not even gonna lie yeah. it's like more like <laughs> memories now well, yeah. as far as like the nature of being in the abandoned place, the grimy shit, we're in all things considered. Some of these places probably weren't very safe now that I'm in my 30s. No. And no. like, but they were so, I mean, people would just be like doing everything everywhere. Like, you know, like it was, it was like wild. It was, and I was like, as much as I don't want to fully recreate that, like, how do you recreate that? You know, like that's the magic of it. And I guess it has to be deep underground secretive but that's a that's a young man's game like you know i think you could still all do all that you just gotta if, depending if you're just you know if you I, really want to go I, experiment I just, again we, at we your age no, no, i mean i'd rather just get like a loft and <laughs> do it a little yeah. like yeah do a loft or anything like underground like warehouse or something like it's just like i don't want to do the i know i just part. i know i just want the I know cool sh- party part i think shows like that would probably be good you know what i mean but again it's just it all varies like the like of course uh, you, you, i for me i want to keep it as safe as possible in terms of yeah you know what i, I mean like, i'm That's not a, advocating that we should all go break into abandoned warehouses i'm no. saying that those parties were fucking incredible yeah they were because it's just like i just remember with those type of raves and parties and stuff it was it was new because or because I don't go to those all the time, like I like friends that I know that would go to like a lot of these stuff, like that are just like underground. But I just remember a few times when I go, it was just kind of like eye opening because people were just kind of like, you know, they were just kind of like vibing out. I guess they were on drugs and stuff or whatever, but they were just kind of like feeling the music and like kind of like doing their kind of like whatever dance. And I'm just there on the side, just like just feeling the bass and feeling the, the heavy, the heavy, uh, like, you know, music, feeling it. Cause I don't, it doesn't take me, it doesn't take like drugs for me to kind of like feel the music. Cause mm. I'm already just kind of like whatever on music in general. But I just remember just kind of like vibing out, opening my kind of like experience and, and just kind of like just feeling it in a sense where it's just like because again like i love i love 
drum and bass. Like every time I could go to a rave and listen to like old school, like UK drum and bass, uh, anywhere, like I'll just kind of like eat that shit and just feel it. You know, I like, I love it as much as like, let's say funk music and hip hop and stuff because drum and bass is just, it just kind of has that kind of like fast paced kind of like jungle vibe feeling, you know what I mean? So like every time I play, like I listen to, every time I drive or whatever, and I, there's like a drum and bass track. Like I'll just crank it up and just feel it. You know what I mean? So, uh, man, so maybe like, I should, in my thirties, yeah. where I'm currently at in life, yeah, I'm with you. Back yeah. then, yo, I'm not gonna lie to you. Prior to going to that rave and doing those, uh, I think it was ecstasy the first time, and then the rest was okay. Molly's because the speed shit was not my cup of tea. Um, <clears throat> at all that shit's fucking I, my I don't think I could do it like I was already hopped up on energy drinks and coffee at the time mm. I remember one point I was gonna have a heart attack cause I was yeah. just drinking nothing but Red Bulls and I, was, I was also like heavy into coffee for a minute like way more yeah. than I am now but like yeah. my brother did a lot of speed and it was like yo that, I tried a quarter pill one time I couldn't fucking sleep I felt like an asshole the entire next day it was not my shit but I do remember yeah. the first time, like when I went to my first rave, I was not into EDM. Like I did not like the genre of music. I did not fuck with it. There were no yeah. lyrics. And at that time in my life, if the shit had no lyrics and I couldn't fucking rap or sing along to it, what the fuck was the point of me listening to it? That was really where I was at in my life. Then I did a lot of that. The I got high as a kite, man. It was fucking wild. But the music was all I remembered. And then I remembered sobering up and I loved it still. Like, I loved the music and the vibe. And I felt like for the first time in my life, I understood who this music was for. And that's mm -hmm. something I had a lot of trouble with in life, like understanding who music was for. So I liked what was for me, but I couldn't understand shit that wasn't for me for a minute. But then that experience of the few times I would go to raves ripped, and then you just like faded, just like, and you're just like god you don't need anything else in your life in that moment and i never yeah. really felt shit like that before to that extent in that kind of like resonating simplicity almost of just this pulsating everything and i had no stamina to dance and i fucking wish i could have danced because i was not in shape enough to dance back then but like that, that would be the only reason I'd want to fucking pop a Molly now is to just because I could dance now and it would be a lot more fun. So like that would be it, but not enough to like fully do it. But like, but like that that like whole vibe. It just now I love EDM and it, and I love it a lot because it almost in a sense in that way of memories brings me mm. back to that environment where like you've been in parties probably this whole time, right? Because that's what you do as a DJ. I don't yeah. necessarily party. So like music that's like designed for like maybe certain energies I didn't understand until like then. Then all of a sudden it's like this like Rosetta Stone unlocked it for me and it stuck with me. And that was the crazy part for me was how like I didn't need drugs again to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It was just that drugs kind of unlocked my enjoyment of it. Yeah. But that's again, that's what music is. It just triggers kind of your mood set, your memory masks and yeah, I EDM was a good. I was a questionable time because I I liked it, but there were times where like there was because there's EDM music and then there's popular EDM music that you can hear on the radio. I was just more kind of into the underground and listening to more like remixes of like EDM like of tracks using EDM beats and stuff. But yeah, that that 
those two thousand or like two thousands, two early two thousand tens when EDM was like big, like I was just I was yeah I was playing a lot of it uh, at certain places, but I do like it more when there's no lyrics, just because it's just more of a feel vibe to it. So you do get an appreciation of like, you know, just kind of the feel the like feel the motion of like a beat that's like about 125 BTMs just pulsating at you. Well, I guess you you would feel a little bit you would feel it more when you, when you're like on whatever. You know, I don't or. think I don't think I would. I think you feel it more than high people do. I'm gonna be yeah. real with you because I feel okay. it more now. <clears throat> like I would argue that at this point in my life, I'm more in touch with music than I've ever been. Like just to my yeah. soul, I started to learn to move to it, and I mm. opened my mind to multiple genres. And so I feel mm. like yo, I hear music, I just want to dance in the streets type of thing. So like, nah, man, drugs don't give me that. That was like yeah. falling in love with music that gave me that. Yeah. And I just think the way you are, you've been in love with music for so fucking long that like, nah, you probably vibe out harder than the kids on drugs. You can't even really appreciate the music because they probably zonked out a bit. There are times where I would just literally go to a club or a concert and I wouldn't even just like, yeah, okay, well, maybe I'll groove or dance, but I'm not a dancer per se, even though I like I can't, you know, do a two-step or whatever but i think i could go to a club or i've done it too where i would literally go to a club and not even like concentrate what's on the dance floor. i could look at a dj literally and just watch what he's doing and watch what he's playing and be entertained versus yeah because it's just and especially too i like it more when i know the dj because I'll know what he's playing, or I'll have an idea of what he's playing, and, and I can, yeah. And not a lot of people, like, I can go to a concert and still have a good time, even by myself or with somebody. But I don't necessarily need to be in a crowd or whatever. I could be in the back, or I could be up on the you know second floor in the back just watching a performance watching a dj because again that's what music is to me because it'll just hit me like a bolt of lightning or or something and a lot of times when i walk around or when i drive i need to have music if like i'll always have my phone filled with music and have my headphones with me if i ever want to walk to like i've done it where i've walked like literally through st Catherine street listening to music constantly with just a random playlist and just feel it because it's just it's 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 kind of like a soundtrack to what's going on with me or what i'm feeling so like i think music it 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 is a very important thing in my life because it's kind of like the soundtrack to my life you know what i mean so it's just i can concentrate on nothing around me but whatever i'm hearing in my ears if it's like rock music or edm or hip-hop or songs that kind of trigger memories good times in my life or even bad times there are a lot of songs that remind me of like people that i you know that i appreciate or people that i hated and then and then it just it'll trigger a music soundtrack or a song or i can remember a time when something happened to me and then a song was playing or there was like a or just like you know whatever band or whatever concert i went to with a friend i always remember 
a friend of mine uh, listening to this particular music. It's just, it's just, it's a powerful thing. Like, you know, it's just, I don't know how more, I can't describe more how I feel about music in a sense that it's just, it's just an important kind of navigation. I, I always say like music is a radar in a sense that music is the one that kind of guides me to how I feel or how I kind of perceive how my day is going to go, how my mood's going to be. And yeah, I could just literally just watch a DJ just play for five hours, do nothing and still have a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I respect that about you. I mean, I feel like this yeah. is your passion. Now, like, <clears throat> one of the other things I like about DJ Overflow that y'all don't know that, like, my one of my first interactions with this guy is, yo, I see you're working with Vince Price. How do I come through and scratch? I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work on the internet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, that was the first thing this guy says to me. I'm the real fuck. What up to Vince if he's watching? But, uh, yeah, no, he's no, Vince I, is like, Vince just had a kid. He's in the first. I know, year, I know. Yeah, I know. And it's like, he's like, yeah, hold on. Uh, the internet is much better for me right now. It's all yeah. you, you want me around? This stays yeah. on the internet. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I know Vincent through friends and other beat makers, but the thing is, I didn't know this for years that we were neighbors because he, when I lived in Verdun, he literally lived like a couple, like not like maybe two minutes from me, and we didn't know each other since. But I knew who he was, and I he we were DJing at the same spot. He was doing uh, Thursdays, and I was doing Fridays at the same spot, because uh, he was just DJing on the side too. But I knew he, I I knew his reputation from uh, making beats for local artists. I you know I I I know his rap. I know him through other beat makers too. So it's like I so that's why I give. I, and I love his beats. So yeah, you know I give him. He's dope. He's he's kind of up there with one of my favorites, like underground local beat makers so uh, that's why I always put him in high regards to at least whatever he puts out I always listen so yeah I feel like mad blessed to know him I had no idea who the fuck he was when he hit me up in like late December yeah. to be like yo I see you're doing the murder face review I already talked to CL about this but uh I was in murder face can I come I'm like what you were in murder yeah. face and I was so confused and then all of a sudden, now me and Vincent are doing this shit like for like over six months now. Like, it's well, shout 30. out to shout out to Cool Man Logan as Yo, well. Shout out Cool Man Logan. He came. Logan, he came. Logan. He. I know he came a few. I, I. I. met him through under pressure, of course. But I know wherever a few times where I was DJing, I would see him. So and then he would come by, show some love. Uh, and you know, I know he's he's oh, he, I know for years he's been on the grind as well as an MC. Uh, you know, coming out with B, I know he came out with uh, like uh, some stuff uh, through Spotify. Uh, but you know, you got to give it to a lot of uh, like local artists that are just trying to get out there. And and, uh, and yeah, CL is one that you know that is just you know he's doing this for the love, of course. And you know, especially through tough times, but you know, he, you know, he that's that's his passion, right? So yeah, CL, uh, I always CL is amazing. Yeah. I feel like yeah. CL is just like like a blossoming into the best CL he's ever been. Yeah, I think the more you're in, the more you get 
to know the business and how it works for you, uh, the more you kind of shine. And I think that's kind of where he is uh, in terms of lyrics. Because I've, you know, I, I I do like his kind of playful uh, spin on a lot of like, um, uh, like I guess a lot of moments that he would spit on uh, uh, through his tracks. And I know he likes to play with words too. So, you know, I give I gotta give him you know shout out and mad love. Yeah, cool man. Logan's amazing. Uh, he's become yeah. another person that, by sheer virtue of Vincent Price, I am sure that because of that relationship, I am better friends with Cool Man Logan now. Yeah. Like, yo, Vincent Price unlocked a lot of doors by accident for me. I had no idea how relevant this guy was. And I don't think, like, he's, he came at me all meek and shit. Yo, like, what's up? My name's Vincent. I was, you know, like, that was like the attitude. I was like, say a word. What? And then I found out that, like, you know, he did the interview, and I'm like, whoa, you're that guy? I'm like, say, your career is, like, fucking impressive. And he raps. And his raps are, like, he has one of my personal favorite sloppy flows. That's what I'm going to call it. It's a good sloppy flow. I respect his uh, his opinions on movies too because besides music, I am a movie buff, and I know he does podcasts uh, reviewing the like, classic movies. I, yeah. I love his uh, I love his takes on kung fu flicks because that's my kind of heart and soul. But uh, you know, he's he's all he's all around. He's a dope dude. Like uh, from the from the years that I've known him or get to know him, so it's like yeah, like he. I think for him, I told him too, like. You know, if you if you, I you should like for an for a for a beat maker like you should be up there to kind of shine with what you like kind of created and like post. So, um, but again, all hats to him like for for his kind of push to whatever he wants to do moving forward. Like I know it's just yeah he has he just had a kid, um, you know, and I know he's you know he's trying to get there and. And stuff, but I think at the end of the day, it's like you know, you know, just nah. He's got like he's some, doing his thing. So yo, on the real, real, he's got some shit cooking up. I'm not allowed to talk about specifics, but like I'm privy to say that excitement, and then his motherfucking hard drive crashed. Yeah, I, I saw the post. I saw the post. And so it's uh, like, oh my god! But first of all, the fact that this opportunity appeared, we're gonna get more. He's gonna get more opportunities. It's the facts of life, you know. The other parties, oh my gosh, his hard drive crashed at the exact same time. And so yeah, I'm only bringing it up because there's an actual GoFundMe for it right now that we have. I saw, I saw the, I saw <clears> the GoFund. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like we we got it to like. 850 plus 50 there's a plus 50 because uh yeah it is what it is i'm not gonna put it in because then i have to pay a two percent fee to pull it out so that seems stupid yeah so like we're, we're we got a lot right so like worst case scenario like yo the blow's gonna be like heavy but at least it's not as is heavy it, and it's amazing is to it see really that. is it really that much yeah retry- so i didn't like, even think it would be up to like two bills like so two, like what like happens feet. is is like the data is there but the entire mechanics of the fucking machine is broken and unable to read the data. So, look, this happened to me like four, like a few years back with my engineer. And one day we get to the session. I have features coming through. And we walk in the door. He's like, hold in. The hard drive's broken. 
I'm like, what the fuck? So anyway, there's this lab out there, and it has like this specific lab conditions. Don't I can't go better than that. And what they do is they take the shit down to the base components and run it through super fucking computer shit, and then copy the data onto another fucking thingy, and then rebuild your shit and blah blah blah. And it uses high tech, super fancy gear, and it's like it's like legitimately like when you read the process, you're like, okay. Like, I can't explain it. That's how, like, you know, I could probably learn it a little better for the amount of times I might tell the story. But let's just say it runs up to about the one of the estimates he got was 1350 So, okay. like, it really is that expensive. That's why I put it at 15 because I'm like, yo, it's going to be, like, 15 <laughs> That's how much it costs to get this shit because they can do it. That's what's crazy is there's like a 98% chance I'm going to say because they might not be able to because all this shit basically is at this point where he's going through it all the local options because the frankly like shipping off the hard drive to like the states or LA or where the fuck this place is is a little scarier. It's like a last resort option. So he went yeah. to this dude Vitaly and Vitaly couldn't do it. Spent four days working on it. Next guy blah blah blah. Basically a lot of these places are also like if we can't fix it we don't charge you. That's partly why it's probably yeah. so expensive anyway yeah. so he's got like one more option in montreal to explore and then after that he's gonna try out this lab thing is what i understand so legitimately though it's like all of the stems and shit so like yo it's like a heavy blow to like yo, lose all the stems to like all your shit yeah i i had a similar issue before because uh, I accidentally wiped out everything that was on my uh, on my MacBook, but luckily for me, I was able. Because I have like four hard drives, like external hard drives, where I'll just like double, triple save everything. Because I've I've had issues where I lose a lot of my music or mixtapes, and like I have a gazillion music for you know weddings and stuff like that. So. It's not like it's hard to like retrieve all that, but it's it's a bit of a hassle when you have a gazillion music library. Yeah. So I feel I feel him because it's like especially too like when I was doing mixtapes, I still have them saved, and I, a lot of my uh, a lot of the stuff that I stream or or like scratch videos that I would do, I save them on the side and I'll put them in my hard drive. So, but I have had issues where I had a hard drive crashed and I pretty much lost everything. So I just pretty much started everything from scratch again. Uh, and then realized that, you know what, like, I'll just, I'll save, uh, I'll, 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 I'll put in the money to get like three or four hard drives and maybe get like a, like a Google drive or whatever. And like, so pay monthly to just make sure. Yeah, you know? it's it's definitely a lesson. We we learned yeah. the lesson. But no, like you, it's a, you you learn stuff the hard way. Like I know kind of... one time my computer died and it was really like I lost three sets of lyrics. That's the truth of it. But I, I was at this point, I was doing this series called Raps on Everything where I was doing non-hip-hop karaoke beats. That was my only rule because I was so frustrated with rappers not wanting to rap on shit. Like it's a big yeah. thing for me that's weird. It's been weird for me my whole career um but like so like i used to sit there with these producers and be like okay let me play beats see if you can rap on it and it was so it's math right like most shit's yeah. in four four throw death metal at me if you want to stop me because three four is fucking hard okay three four is fucking hard throw a tool beat at me i will have trouble on tool um <clears throat> but like uh so anyway i i got this uh knife party fucking song and i wrote this 
fucking amazing shit over this and i loved it a lot and then i lost the hard drive like the computer died got the new computer realized i lost those lyrics and i could never rewrite the song like i just could it's gone and that's the problem with the creative side of it like that like i can't it's just gone those are like words and i don't remember it and i could never do, do it you, again do you keep lyrics like do you type them or yeah or, everything's or you, typed yeah okay. you don't write you don't write them not in years um okay i know in 2014 i still did handwriting because i was i did okay. that shit in israel but like okay. um honestly i fucking hate it when you scratch shit out and then you have to rewrite it all and when you scratch yeah. it and you have to rewrite it all and like i got really mad at that process because like i'd be in the vibe and then i have it got too messy so and i'd lose like three minutes of vibe rewriting mm -hmm. it and then you might lose the vibe rewriting your lyrics and it's just like nah this is not conducive to like whatever and uh then i got microsoft word or notepad or whatever the fuck it was on whatever phone it was and it was like <laughs> oh backspace is fucking fast and uh i don't know for for at least six seven years i've been writing on my phone almost exclusively now actually yeah. it was really hard to learn how to write on a keyboard with the streaming it was like with a keyboard and a mouse and i'm like wait a second this isn't my phone so I actually took it like I know it seems like it's the same, but it's, it was a little different. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just digital, and then I've had Dropbox for years now. Cause like after that moment, I started paying for Dropbox and shit. Okay. Well, no, I got it on my phone for free for two years, and then I started paying for Dropbox and shit. Okay. And uh, yeah, but like I just find it easier to keep it all digital with the lyrics like yeah. yo like how do you really supposed to go through like 47 notebooks in a realistic way like i can just control f a fucking specific bar and find the word file yeah that's it uh no i get to each zone like i don't know i just i just thought uh, i know a lot of uh lyricists would yeah ultimately keep their stuff like they would type on their phone or whatever like a notepad or no, a lot, a lot of rappers but... love the pen and paper a lot of them well because it's, it's the old school feel right uh i've had the conversation a lot and there's an aesthetic value to pen to paper that i couldn't this is the one argument i couldn't ever work around was there's an aesthetic value to creativity that somehow like maybe the drawing element tops in i don't know how to fully describe it but Yo, unless people can replicate digitally the feeling of a fucking pencil hitting a paper or a pen hitting a paper in a way that feels the same to people, I can accept that there's an aesthetic quality to that. Because, yo, I was on some, like, you know, I work for a company that makes a PDF editor. So in, like, 2014, I'm literally researching and coming up with content related to, like, going paperless and yeah. all this shit, right? So, like, psychologically, I'm like, well, fuck a pen and pad. That's wasteful. And I know yeah. like, it sounds a way, but like, it's kind of wasteful. Um, no, yeah. no, I, I completely agree. So like, I mean, I'm not trying to shit on anybody's grind or whatever. I mean, do your thing. Actually, the paper industry is pretty self-sufficient at this point. So it's not that bad of a thing, but it does prevent 200 year old oaks from coming. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. It's pretty self-sufficient. So yeah. like, um, a lot of people explain the aesthetic value, but for me, it was never like that. I always, I felt like 
because like I can type like way faster than I think anybody that's ever chatted with me can see how fast I can fucking come up with like ideas to fingers coming out. So it was really just like writing was too slow for my brain, in my opinion. Yep. And like it just was more natural. I I really like the keyboard. It is my favorite thing in the world. I was talking to I don't remember who, but it was I think uh, one of the MCs that I met when I was in California or I was, in the I states, was whatever. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no. It's just because I I I could I ask that question the same question because I I want to know like I see a guy who was writing you know pen and pad or a notebook and pad, but what apparently for what helps him is uh, to kind of like solidify a memory. So they know, like, that what they're writing is what they're gonna remember with their lyrics. So a lot of times uh, they go old school to to, um, to write down whatever lyrics or notes or something on a pen and paper just for memory purposes. I don't I mean, know if that's kind of like. I feel like there is an argument to be made in certain contexts that like the act of writing with a pen i've really gone deep on this topic that the act, yeah, of writing, the act of writing with a pencil will break your focus enough to pay more attention rather than automating and the problem with typing is that it's so mechanical that ultimately you can kind of zone out more but I find that like post that initial point, what I do is like systemically, like I write my file in a way where like my lines are. And so each line is like kind of constructed. I'm like, you know it, like even if there's no system, every file is almost unique. Sometimes there's even typos I leave in there and I'm just, that's what the file looks like to me. So like, yeah. um, and then you write that and then, but like the way I write is I'll be like, I'll spit the first bar and then type that out and then if until i stop then i wrap yeah. the whole thing and write out the next lines till i stop then i wrap the whole thing then i write out the next lines till i stop and then i run that till the verse is done then i do that with the hook then i do that with the next verse and then i do mm -hmm. that so it's like i don't know and then when it comes time to performing well to be i i just read everything my entire career is me like reading off my fucking notepad i don't know what people talk about when they're like you can chat with motherfuckers well bro i read my whole thing and none of y'all ever once accused me of it you know and you're like oh, your flow's so good yeah i read the whole thing i don't have fucking since i've been like 27 you think i have time to memorize every fucking bar if i can but to be fair you have to know what you're doing and i did waste a lot of time but at the same yeah. time um like there's value in practicing your shit ahead of time save whatever but like i mean you just have to know your shit knowing your mm. shit and memorizing your shit are two different tiers yeah so like knowing my shit with my phone i'm good to go I practice the fuck out of it i don't have to like know it fucking by heart by heart oh mm. my god that's for the show that's a live show unless i am performing this motherfucker why am i gonna put like six hours now into memorizing it you have too many mm -hmm. songs and that's mm -hmm. kind of what happened too is like when i started doing it you know like i had eight songs now i've got like a lot of songs a lot of i have so many songs that like i don't know the words to all of them anymore i sometimes i hear some shit and i'm like i made that wow that's <laughs> like you know like that's the part where i'm at so it's like nah i think it's like you just kind of like 
figure out ways that work for you i know like some people it matters to know everything by heart on the grind ready to go that's not that important to me yeah okay again i guess it's just how whatever works for you yeah uh yeah Okay. No, because like, 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 uh, I heard a lot of people answer it, and it's no disrespect to them. Some people are like amazingly different. Everybody has such different processes with it. Yeah, because I that's why I like talking with different artists. Because I like how, like, when you're talking to different uh, like interviewers and stuff. Oh, interview. Yeah. So, I know a lot of times I just get fascinated with like a process of how they would proceed with a project or a lyric or with DJs it's like how like I guess where how I prepare for a set is I don't really prepare for a set but I'll I'll make like a little playlist or a crate on my computer of songs that I'll know for different genres or different types of events at different times what have you so that's kind of at least for DJs how we prepare for a night but ultimately i like to go kind of fresh and with no mind whatsoever of what i'm gonna play just because i want to kind of keep everything kind of like different mm. like i don't want to go and have a specific play set or a specific type of music at a certain night to kind of just kind of i kind of want to feel the night you know what i mean so like i'll i do have that that kind of thought process of Songs that I could rely to on a night where I would play the Biggie, Tupac, Dre, Drake, whatever. But I kind of would like to go like fresh-minded and not think of what I'm going to play, but rely on like my presets of music that I would make on like these crates and just go with it. So, but sometimes too, the, I I do get that lightning bolt of like, oh man, I haven't heard that song in like years. Let me try to play it and freak people out and see if they're into it. And then I'll play like, like you know, uh, do, like whatever, in uh, sync. And then be like, oh my God, I haven't heard Bye 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 in like years. And banger. I'm feeling it. It's a banger. You know what I mean? I, I do have to say, like, I do have a, because before I didn't have a really great uh, fondness for like, like late 90s, early 2000s pop music with all the boy bands. I thought it was just lame and it's like whatever but then you listen to it and I'm just like now and I'm just like oh yeah I can appreciate this type of music it's been a while since I've heard like you know I wanted that way by Backstreet Boys and be into it so it's like I said again it kind of brings back the nostalgia of like music right but again going back to like playlist yeah I don't I choose I choose to kind of not like Unless I'm doing a wedding, then obviously I'll have to kind of set everything up, like whatever. That's first it, right? Whatever. Like, but generally speaking, I don't want to go so into like a, an event. and. So, like, I don't, I mean, for me, it's like there's, there's going to be two vibes to this, right? Like, let's say I'm making an album album or a single. These yeah. are, like, kind of commercial products, right? Like, I probably yeah. shouldn't be willy-nilly with it. Whereas my mixtapes, I'm having all the fucking fun in the world going on willy-nilly with it. But it's really yeah. about, like, context, right? <clears throat> yeah. Or, like, for a live show, like, I need to come prepared with the set. Right? Sure. Like, I don't... I, I mean, it depends on what you're trying to do. But if I want you to go to my Spotify after, I kind of mm -hmm. have to go perform my songs. 
Yeah. And then I can't just be like, and no disrespect to people who do this, but you really probably should not show up and randomly hit shuffle and perform songs. You should yeah. think about the flow and the sequence of your track. So like I like to open with something that's higher energy. You want to grab attention and move. And then in the middle is when you squeeze your I rap slow two parts. Well, at least for me, because I rap pretty quick. So I have a couple I rap slower two tracks for the middle part. And then I like close out on my one track I know is guaranteed to hit any crowd and work. What is your like BPM, like beats per minute type of like set in terms of like, do you like to go like, do you know, like but BPM is like the count no, of I know what it per is. track. Bro, but what I've is your never preference? About it. <clears throat> it's more really? about the vibe of it, right? Like, I know okay. Lose Weight is at 161.55 because okay. people wanted to remix it and said, what the fuck, yeah. Holden? This is not a standard BPM. So I said, Matt, yeah. what fucking be Anyway, um, <laughs> and I like it. But, like, I don't know that I've ever thought about it like that. I know a lot of rappers, whatever, but, like, I just have these songs, right? And so the idea of the show for me is to promote my songs, yeah. And these are the songs that I have. So it's like, how do I arrange these songs that I am? First of all, I've only got like nine I can perform in a good day. And that's with practice. And even then, a lot of them are less ready to go than others. So like, I know the one. And then you have to like, think about it too. Like, yo, you don't really want to perform your five minute fucking track there. Or the one that's the three and a half minute verse with no chorus. Fuck that guy. He's out. And then you have to think about the energy too. Like, nine times out of ten you kind of need something that you're going to be able to move to and so a lot of my catalog is is headphone music so it's like yo i don't really want to go perform that right now so really it's like the vibes of the songs i have and i want to create like a vibe that changes so that within like a 30 minute set if i can get that because whatever's i can give you like how versatile i can be and take you on a little journey through different ideas and parts of my life or whatever through these tracks because the one thing i think is really cool about my catalog is i realized i can perform every fucking song i've ever written today the issue is it has to be the right vibe so yeah there might be a vibe where performing a five minute fucking song makes sense but trust it's not most vibes right now mm -hmm. so it's like within i think everything that i do is under four minutes or less so like if anything i need to have a couple of shorter shits in there just so i could squeeze a few more songs in and fill the time slot out in a more versatile way and i look at it more like that than i do any kind of set bpm because yo at the end of the day like what i've been doing with the optodomes is like i don't even hear the beat before now we made a song without going no i'm not going to use the beat i mean yeah here and there but the intention is like, oh, you give me eight beats, I'll fucking use all eight of them. What? I'm not going to waste a fucking beat. I don't care what it sounded like beforehand. I'm a rapper. Mm -hmm. It's my job to rap on these said beats, not make excuses. But that's my mentality. And then people be like, but the vibes in the end, I'm like, whatever, whatever. You find me a song, it's math and science. And I do some engineering in my head and I go, this is what I can do to make this a song. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. I love the challenge of it. Yo, I would like, to me, it's like, if anything, I want the most out there shit I can find. Because, like, sample-driven, regular boom bap is like, bro, there's a thousand examples of how to do that bless. You know what's kind of yeah. hard to do is some weird fusion shit. You go find me mm -hmm. those, there's less examples of it. So it forces me to have to, like, think about how am I going to, 
do something with this that like actually is is fun for me to do that i would listen yeah. to and shit and then it's like okay and then i a lot of it too is the challenge of it so like i don't really like easy beats i want i actually try to tell people if it doesn't change every four bars in some way i'm really not that interested in the beat okay so you try to you try, you try to make it as complex but still seem appeal in yeah terms of like we're talking guys. like drop an element add an element like level yeah. of change but like i yeah. need you give me that and my flow will be ridiculous you don't give me that and it's like okay well then like you know it's kind of a loop however i challenge myself i fucking work with it but when it's like an album i feel like all the my favorite songs have that kind of dynamic element to it and so that's yeah. my favorite part but that's my like album shits then okay. there's like the part where it's like a skill and i'm like say a word it is a competition let's go guys let's play yeah yeah you know I, I first on the top of my head i'm thinking of like like gift of gab black alicious like uh, like rest in peace gift of gab uh like broken arrow that album is was unique in a sense where it's just there's a lot of tracks that have rhythmic like changes in terms of beats like obviously the alphabet um aerobics is probably the best example because it it the beat goes fast starts slow goes faster so the lyrics like gift of gift of gab does he starts up he raps slow and then goes faster oh, all using the alphabet that is to me like l lyricists and mcs that pull off something unique like that I I mad respect and that's why I love Blacklicious and Gift so the like, Gab that me, album that came from D Antword believe it or not they have their yeah. track I think you freaky and that yeah. happens in the third verse and it tripped me yeah. the fuck out so I'm like ready yeah. for that I, I at one point in time I could have spit that shit and I practiced it yeah. and, and I used to like be like yo why nobody changing tempos on me and apparently yeah. nobody wants that which I find wild yeah. there is one video of me on instagram where motherfucker changes the tempo and i ride the freestyle and i was like i'm so proud of myself that i pulled that off and it was like he changed the tempo he fucking dropped it he did a bunch of shit to try to trip me up and i rode the whole thing off the dome and it was one of my yeah. favorite flexes well, ever. well that's that's what i love about like we were now going back to what i was saying is like with those with lyricists and mcs that i could just that can improv on the fly and if something happens on their sets so they could just kind of go with it like there was like it was nothing so and i know a lot of mcs like personally that can do it but i also know a lot of mcs that just rely on the like you were talking about the boom back like rhythmic like 95 bpm 100 bpm like solid beats which is good but it's just like i think with the creativity that you know I would realize. I'd probably say I want 120 to 125 if I'm gonna have to pick a target BPM because that's, that's gonna, like that's like how that's like house music territory. But that <laughs> maybe faster too, a little bit. I would play there, but actually, yeah, my last album is Peter West's fucking experimentation with EDM from 2014 and shit. But like, yo, I always like that energy because like, I mean, listen to how fast yeah. I talk. Like for me, it's yeah. like. I gotta really slow the fuck down for 90 BPM. Like, it's, yeah. I can do it. I ha but I had to, like, learn how to do that. Whereas my comfort zone is that fast shit. You give me that upbeat fucking techno crap, I'm fucking rocking that to the end of the day. 
Well, the thing is, I I agree with you because when I when I scratch, when I do cuts, like don't get me wrong, I the comf the comfortable BPM for DJs to scratch would be like ninety five, a hundred, hundred and five, whatever. But I like cut. I like scratching faster at a hundred and twenty to a hundred and thirty, because it kind of you kind of just kind of you know of course you keep in rhythm, but you kind of scratch in a faster pace where it's just it feels like it's a flow you know what i mean so i would i would assume like i guess with the way you're talking about it now is like for for mcs to go rap that fast or lyrically you know sing or whatever that fast it kind of keeps you kind of in a higher energy well, I, I just think it like like fast rap on upbeat techno music sounds better to me but that's also my liking of it. Like MGK yeah. rapping fast over Steve Aoki sounds better than MGK rapping fast over trap music. Yeah. Or you could go as far as going old school where a lot of like break beats or B uh, like board tracks are with like with raps like, you know, over it, which is old school. But yeah, that's kind of like the same vibe <laughs> to it, I would think. No, to be fair, I also like i'm cool with the slower rap like a lot of it sometimes needs to be but that's like because yo i was yeah. always like where hooks were always like where the slow shit would come in so sometimes like you just yeah. want like your verse to feel more hookish or whatever so like yeah. yo, there's so much flexibility to it right like but like what i believe happens is a lot of people listen to music that they love right and they so like without this album review journey i went on I'm like the guy that's like hooked on Hobson, Bone Thugs, Tech Nine, MGK, Sage Francis, like this, like you know, this whole vibe of like various kinds of fast rap, all the spectrums of fast rap, right? Like, yeah. and then I do this like album review series, and it blows my mind how much content exists. And I realize that a lot of fast rappers they use more words but don't say as much. And I'm not gonna ever say I did. I always tried to pack my content into every bar, but like. I feel like if you can say it in even less words, sometimes it's more impactful than needing to use as many words. So, like, sometimes it's like there's a power in, like, simplifying or whatever. Anyway, I found my comfortable place where I'm at. I just kind of whatever pops out, pops out. But, like, I realized that, like, slow rap is dope. But, like, all these different raps are dope. But I feel like in a lot of ways, as artists, we don't necessarily do the vast level of research we should do to better our craft. We do like a sandbox. This is what's cool version of the research. So it gets hard to like leave comfort zones. I'm not even going to lie. Like I got like kind of like weirded out on the cipher by like how many people were like, bro, change that beat. And I'm like, say word. Why? So I have a hook where it's like, wow, these rappers saying they can't rap on all these beats. Like it's confusing to me. Like, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's like, why well that's that's kind of like i'm like i don't want to i don't want to crap on like today's like mcs or rappers or so-called rappers but again it's like you're get yeah with a cypher you're given a task they give you a beat you gotta you just do what you gotta do say what you want to say over this beat i don't i don't know why a lot of mcs that i've seen are kind of like scared to be like like for a dj for a scratch dj i accept all beats of uh, all speeds only because like it challenges me to be a better scratch dj so i i would think like the mentality for a lot of mcs that i've seen that are just too much into their comfort zone 
of like a beat that's like slow, fast, whatever. I just think that they're kind of like keeping themselves limited to what they can possibly be with a beat that they're presented on the fly. You know what I mean? So, uh, like, I'm not hating on. Yeah, me neither. Because yeah, I you love y'all. If anybody who feels the shoe fits, I still love y'all. And I mean, like, listen, people have come to me with a lot of great reasons. First of all, not everybody yeah. is me. And a lot of people yeah. are motivated by shit. And sometimes people like who are like that, that I know personally, I would flat out say are better artists than I am. So like, yeah. it's like, yo, how is this person who's a better artist than I am? But what am I going to say to her? They're like, they're them and they have their yeah. process and it's what works for them. So like, yeah. it's like, it's, it's not like a hate thing. It's a confusion thing. I'm sincerely mm -hmm. confused by it. But like me, it's mm -hmm. like, I get titillated by these beats that sound like almost nothing I've heard before. That tail, yeah. it's like, yo, what's that? And then I realized mm -hmm. I like these dance fusion beats. Really, I like yeah. some upbeat. And I've liked EDM kind of fusion beats since like back in the day. Like I was, I've been, I wanted to do an EDM project since like I started. It was just that hard to find somebody that would like work with me like that to give me like a project's worth of material. Mm -hmm. So like, shut up. Well, Okay, but yeah, you know, that you still got time, you know. I, I think for the most part, I think EDM is slowly coming back per se, and not in a different kind of form. Maybe a little bit more trappish than anything, but uh, but again, there's still people. I still play EDM music every so often as I can, and it's still there's still love for EDM music. So there's always the possibility of exploring that again. Yeah, that's what my, I was saying. I have a project coming. I think it's the next thing. I went to Meticulous's yeah. crib. We did an EDM track. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. trying to get known as the guy to send your EDM beats to so that, like, okay. <laughs> before it gets cool. But, yo, yeah. if you look at the Pulse of Montreal, yo, what do you see people listening to on the morning? Like, think about it. If you're ever in the metro in the morning, there's a lot of people who listen to EDM at 8 in the morning. It. Well, you go to the gym, there's people that need to get hyped up, right? So that's you know edm house and you know anything between the 120 130 bpm so uh and uh yeah i just think uh for the most part uh, like music's music but it just you know there's always fads and there's always music that disappeared come back i think with edm it's it's it i don't think it ever left it just wasn't that i don't popular. even think it, it left here yeah. i think in our underground scene never die okay some shit happened that i'm not going to talk on that got made it get less popular in the underground sense in regards to the yeah. police basically said not nah, do it legal or get the fuck out and that changed the vibe um it really did uh but like with that it went legitimate is more what yeah. happened to the scene it went legit yeah. which is not a yeah. bad thing and i don't think it died because literally bass drive fucking sundays is a thing at belmont right now Oh, was it on Wednesdays? Yeah, it was. Oh man, I used to I used to go to those. But man. I saw it was on a Sunday this year. I think because they can't yeah. go late now, right? So if you're gonna get the number of hours, you no, need no, no, because with bars and restaurants, like the the notion is like you 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 you, you serve alcohol till one, but you have to close at two, mm. which is whatever. Uh, I have a feeling that that's gonna change, but that's another story for another time. I just saw uh, the event on Facebook, know. and it was on a Sunday, yeah. so I'm yeah. guessing. I I used to go to Bass Drive a lot, uh, cause yeah, I, man, oh, geez, like on Wednesdays, 
uh, I used to have a crush on Vilify, so I, I, I know I, oh my uh, gosh, I know I talked to her at one point. <laughs> like I know because at one point I flexed. You know, I used to be like, "Yo, my brother's in blah blah blah," and it was like, "Cause yeah. I also know this guy." Um, what's his fucking name? Uh, uh shit, base mechanics. So like, I don't. Sorry, dude. I just I only know. <laughs> I only know Vilify. Yeah, but, Vilify is uh, like. She's yeah. you know, she was popping though. Like and that's the thing, is like a lot of these people actually really do have successful careers, but their promoters yeah. are like actual promoters. You would see like legit security at these events. Like it was yeah. done in a you know what the thing that I loved about the, that part of the era was is their events always had descriptions of the artists. Yeah. Anyway, I had to say like I don't think the scene ever died. I think it went legitimate, which meant like the yeah. really cool parties died. And then Yeah. Yo, then it's like I don't know how much I want to go to a bar in my thirties. <laughs> I I like I'll go to concerts than anything because the concerts oh, shit, the were you know are wild. Sorry, festivals, concerts, like anything that, that like I just kind of just watch the artist versus going to a bar and like yeah I'll still go to a bar and have a beer and just chill with friends or whatever or terrace and stuff like that but we're not in that age. At least for me, like, yeah, okay, I, de- I try to, when I DJ, I'll, I, I try to maybe steer less than bars because it's not what it used to be, or at least I'm not getting any younger. But with, like, like venues, and, and I concentrate more on getting gigs at venues and terraces and festivals and, 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 and maybe even concerts if I can because they're just, it's more lively and more interactive than to just DJ at, like, a mass of people who are just drunk. like, all ages, to be honest with you. That's what this park shit feels like to me. Like, yo. Yeah. Like... You could be 18 and it's a dope vibe, but you could also yeah. be 54 and it was a dope vibe. I kind of like yeah. this daytime pop. I mean, the only thing is you can't say fuck. I can live with that. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's basically it. That's the only trade-off. And um, if that's the only trade-off, like, yo, I could get used to this whole, like, outside vibe. That's why, like, for me, that's, like, the next big move is the parks. Yeah. Just, yo, you don't really need a permit unless you get popular. And if you're popular, yeah. now you can rent a venue. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, it, we, I don't know how, where we're going to go moving forward. Like, I don't know if we're going to get back to where it was. Hopefully not. Maybe we can improve on certain aspects and just be better in terms of like, exposing music in general. But it's, it is kind of tough to kind of navigate where we're going to be. But at the end of the day, I'm st- music's music, and I'm still going to go out there. And I still want to go check out shows and check out concerts of artists, local and popular and stuff. Because, again, it's just – I kind of miss that. I miss inter- I, I miss going to a concert. Because yeah. I used to go to concerts by myself, uh, hip-hop shows or whatever. And I always see people I know there. Cause that's always and it's always a cool thing because i'm just there for an interest in seeing an artist and then i have a friend who i didn't know that was there but would always be there because we have the same interest so that's always the bondness of going to like local or con- uh, local acts or popular concerts or whatever like i i miss that i really do to be honest yeah me too man i mean i had this moment where i sat down and this guy was playing acoustic guitar in the park and we were just singing shit and I'm like, yeah. my God, when was the last time I sat there and sang shit with people in the park over an acoustic guitar? Like, yo, it was a vibe. 
And I yeah. think um I I don't know that the old way is gonna be what it was, but I definitely think for DJs like you there will be opportunities abound whether they're paid or otherwise. <laughs> I think my optimism is because I'm <laughs> I'm verse I'm well versed to kind of DJ wherever, but I really hope that at least for the DJing process for booking, it's not it's gonna be reliably solely on skill and entertainment that I can bring versus just hiring any schmuck DJ. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you want to for a beginner DJ to get where he needs to be. That's fine, but there, I just it's hard. I hate dealing with promoters. I hate dealing with with club owners or bar owners or whoever if, if they don't feel like they have the same vision. Like, I understand you want to make money. That's a that's always a given. I want to make money too. That's just a thing. But it's just kind of like it kind of just feels like a drag when there's so many good artists out there, so many good DJs, so many good MCs that are better than what's out there and presented solely by whatever like you know their popularity on whatever social media and stuff which is fine but i just wish that i think for me what i'm feeling at is like what i can offer is i could be more than just a dj i can provide technical aspects i could provide good musical musicality on whatever events going on i could be whatever as lame as you want me to be as a dj playing you know the top 40 or whatever weddings and you know what i mean but i just think there are great artists out there that just you know have now the potentials to still be themselves and maybe move forward and hopefully the pandemic will kind of like diminish more and more and i think an out because I just feel like there is going to be that rush of like music that's just going to be like coming out and concerts going to be you know galore and there's going to be festivals going on and then well, it's you like know definitely like, yeah. starting yeah. again. I mean I know people yeah. who I performed. How did I perform yeah. already? You know like yeah it was it was small scale as fuck but like now nah, yeah. it's, it's it's happening. Uh, yeah. Whether or not I don't. I think what, that, what, that that boom is just basically that's just we're getting we're trying to get there right so that boom of you know of musical landscape just opening up more and more where people can go to concerts and people can go to didn't you say like, like September first like the restrictions get to a point where people are definitely going to start doing some shit. Yeah, but also I've heard, I'm hearing cases that are going up too, so I don't know what's going to happen. That's a very you know valid I mean? point. I mean, yeah. that's why it's like I hear the point of the uncertainty, which is where it's like I look at it like it might not be a fiscally viable time to create, but it will certainly be. This is yeah. where I okay, so like I look at it like I have to do a lot of things for free for now. So I, I even at small losses. So like we're gonna cop this vocal amp, right? Why? Yeah. So that we can do shit like show up at the park on a Friday. Like if I'm not doing something on a Friday, now I can literally go to a park and rap. Yeah. Right? And then whoever the fuck comes up to me after that, whatever people talk to me in that moment, those are like people that like could become real fans. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Or not. It doesn't matter. Then I go to the next park. 
then we just keep running this over and over again i mean we could probably pull off till november honestly if we're being like real with the shit do you do you have do you drive i do not that is one of my biggest okay. hurdles personally because I, I I was just thinking because I have again I met a friend in New Orleans his his uh, his, rap, his uh, stage name is Unscripted, he's a freestyle MC, who'll drive around like New Orleans and perform on the streets with a speaker in, in his back truck, and then he would play beats and he would freestyle like galore and that's how he would make money. That's why I was thinking maybe if you want if you can drive or get somebody to well, you know drive you I around. I thought about it more like. If I hit the same spot over and over again, I could become more like, I mean, I love that idea. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like, I yeah. want to integrate into the community element of it. Like there are yeah. 166,000 people in the NDG Cotenej area. There's about mm -hmm. four or five major parks in this area that are viable yeah. candidates to pull this off proper. And it's predominantly motherfucking English, right? Yeah. Like, so I'm going, oh, say word. Why don't we just jacket from the alt rock kids no offense to them but like they dominated the area for a minute all we have mm -hmm. to do is not say fuck as much and then we can just go do like full-on sets like why not i mean i would love to have djs involved we're broke but like i would love to have djs involved in general but like if not fuck that shit i'll run it off my fucking phone if i have to like we just gonna do it bootleg because all i need is a knob that lets me adjust the beat and a knob that lets me adjust the mic and a motherfucker good to go on this shit because we just want to be there be present and you know what i found out the local community is just a star for shit to do so really this is the prime opportunity for an artist is to go into your own fucking community and just start doing the shit in the parks and whatnot like ismail said earlier he's been seeing people do shit in angry on park this is the real flex because yep. then your community's down. You people will be mm -hmm. like, yo, I seen you. Yo, I seen you. Then they talk about you. You know what happened when you were in front of Cosmos? People would like occasionally pull out their phone and do the Insta thing. Yeah, I saw that you were doing that recently. How was that? That was like, you know when they say like, okay, you ever gone like on a sexual drought and then smashed and it was like, oh my fucking, you know what I'm saying? That's what the best way to put that was, because I've been rapping no, to no, the internet. No comment, no comment on my. <laughs> but like, it was like, man. But yeah, I like, feel you. I performed at like Fifths last year for Under Pressure. I performed in the next man's basement last year. I performed in the next bar. So, so like, I mean, yeah, okay, I'd rap to like the the crew <laughs> in rooms before. I've been doing the internet thing, but bro, like this was outside like outside broad day and like people were walking by and i'm like yo what up to the person on the bicycle shut up you know like yo and then they'd be like looking at you and they either gave you the approving nod or the go fuck yourself both yeah. were amazing but it was just like this energy of like real life shit and then we did the sets like i did a set set and i'm like say fucking word and it was like it was just awesome it was just like and it just was such a fucking random fluke just because I'm in the right Facebook group, the Thrive yeah. ABG, and somebody posted, Cosmos is looking for whatever. So I called dude, and then Willie Scandals gave him a gear list, and motherfucker yeah. just, it was two speakers, a mixer, and two mics, and then a computer. That's all we needed. I'm like, yo, that is like simple as shit, and so we can simplify it further because we really don't need as much fancy. We just need one yeah. of the 
to bro they have amps that are battery powered that are like loud the guy because the stand-up comics in girard park last night are running this shit every sunday at eight they have a yeah. tips cup i'm like oh my god we wait like i knew i knew i should have been on this a lot sooner but like i feel like i wasted fucking three months of the fucking summer i'm building brand powered not doing this <laughs> however it comes when it comes and your heart's in yeah. the right place and shit and now we're ready for it so like yeah. It's to the point where, like, literally while I was live, ignoring the nobody there in the beginning of the stream, uh, Meyer Clarity hit me up because he's coming into town, which is a big deal mm -hmm. for, for me at least because he's, like, the homeboy. And I'm like, say yep. words. How about on Sunday we rap? Because we were trying to think about getting this app because we just saw the app thing last night and found out that yeah. dude rented it for 60 bucks a month. So fuck that. We'll just cop one. And so it can't yeah. be that bad. And then now we're doing a park shindig on Girard Park on next Sunday. So it's like okay. by by next park shindig, I mean like I have to plan the details post the stream because we don't have any fucking plans beyond, yo, we're doing it. And he's like, we're doing it. And I'm like, this is the most grassroots organic shit that we, but where's the best venue? Your neighborhoods yeah. that you all love. Yo, as long as I talk to the city councilors, you are not too rowdy, you're not too big, and you're not too disruptive, and you clean up after. That's the shitty part. Um, <clears throat> you basically are okay, and just don't be annoying. Yeah. And that's it. And I'm like, oh, that's it? <laughs> and I'm like, so like, I feel like that's honestly the move, because there's probably not a lot of dollars for a minute, but this way we build up the reputations where like, you know, like imagine it from a different angle. Those guys have internet clout, but then you can get a bunch of footage of you rapping in parks to people turning the fuck up. And I think that would have like a higher value to future promoters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, but that, uh, man, first of all, that sounds like a, that's a, it sounds like a dope uh, uh, live set to do like for next week. Like, especially, too, where it's, like, open field. And yeah, Girard Park, you'll have people coming in because yeah. you, got, you got pretty much Hold the on. closed Let's area. add the asterisks of weather permitting. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it'll be fine. Let's, uh, let's, uh, but, uh, whatever. Worst case, you can move it to, like, next Sunday. So you still got time. Well, I mean, like if worst case, we're going to just do it the following Sunday. But my Oh, that's it. He won't be there, but we'll still do it. Oh, Okay. Well, well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, I mean. But that's it. For me, I want this to become like a weekly series that we run and maybe we mm. do it. But then fine, we start like this next year, but that means we own the gear. And then uh yeah. March comes around, April, it gets nice out again. We just run it the whole summer. Yeah, I think you can maybe find a place that can do it. You can it's always just something where you just need to talk to people, you know what I mean? And, and then maybe you but can I run want it that like organic foot traffic. I don't because yeah. this foot because why this works is because yeah. it kind of creates a buzz without you having to be a good promoter. Yeah, I'm not a good promoter. I can't sell fucking tickets for shit. I kind of need my reputation points to go up a lot more. <laughs> yeah, no, and fuck, I, yeah, I, promoting is cool, but it's like, I, can I do flyers and stuff? Like you've seen my flyers and stuff wherever I'm. DJing or if I'm trying to get gigs and stuff, but yeah, like every artist has to be kind of their own promoter. But I it doesn't mean that I'm good at it. But I get by with what I have, you know what I mean. So, but yeah, it, the the main thing is you want to 
build the word of mouth. Yeah, so I like uh, that organic yeah. foot traffic. So we figured Trend Home Park's an option because it's where that ping yeah. pong table shit set up right now, at least until they tear it down. That's that's true. And then oh, like yeah. Bonnie was suggesting Confederation Park's an option, which is also a good option. Um, yeah. And let's be real, Mackenzie Park up in Cote d'Ange is a decent option. That that used to be my spot because again Filipino Filipino community we always do stuff in Mackenzie Park so that was that's my whole, that's uh, and yeah that's like, running in deep. Theory, if this pops off right and we get it unlocked with a whip, we can line up like three four sets a day kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's where like my brain's at with how to like turn this. Cause yo, I mean, I look at it like if I go through a show in a bar today and now I could not sell tickets with a gun to my head and I'm just being transparent. I don't think I could, I could sell a yeah. few, but not enough yeah. to make this a commercially viable option for the bar, for everybody. And you don't want to like go to a event, meet a guy, rent the room, not sell it out and have him giving you the, what the fuck look all night. Cause I've seen people give other people the, what the fuck look all night. No, I've been there. I've been. I actually would remember trying to just pitching. I at the time, this is me being a young DJ. Uh, I I would lie to promoters, but yeah, I have like a crew of people that I can bring. You know what I mean? And then I would play, and then all of a sudden, like, yo, where's your your fifteen, twenty people that's supposed to come? It's like I passed the word, and then it would come back again. So you know what I mean? So I I've, I've been there where you know it's it's tough when you just want to be a you want DJ places, but you got you know I've I've done it too back in the day where I actually had to pay at a place to actually spend an hour or two hours. But again, this is just me being you know clueless on how the dj scene or how the music scene worked in with promoters but you know at the end of the day you're trying to get you know you try to get your foot into the right direction get people to well, you know i want ndg to give a fuck about me that's yeah. really what happened is i went from caring if like my artist peers cared or no offense if you care or not because we're all like industry peeps like i want to fuck with you on like a personal level more than i fucking care about the art level to be honest the art level is almost secondary to if we vibrate and that's because mm -hmm. like yo there's a, a dime a dozen options for everybody to find the people they want to work with but then i thought about like yeah. yo everybody's so focused on the internet that we're not even trying to like take the lessons we learned online and bring them back to real life so like if yeah. the idea of a Facebook group is to go put a post in a bunch of public places to catch eyes on it, then wouldn't mm -hmm. setting up shop in a park just be the IRL version of spamming Facebook? Yeah. Only it's untapped, it's not annoying, and people are starved for local shit. All I can tell you is all of the people who performed on that Cosmo show had various styles. We did freestyles over different beats. And... Mm -hmm. Everybody walked by 80% success rate of approval. And I was saying, mm -hmm. say fucking word, right? Like, that's not what you might be thinking when you go to go rap in the middle of the street. But, like, the parents love the fact that we chose not to swear. And um, I think the people just fucked with the live energy vibe. So I'm like, mm -hmm. if we do this enough times, then we put up tip cups and shit like that. It kind of finances the enterprise into better gear. And then we focus mm -hmm. on double down on the live streaming element along the same times to make sure Golden Jenny and them can fucking still watch it. And mm -hmm. then it's like all of a sudden we create this vibe that keeps it like documented while mm -hmm. simultaneously. Because then you're broadcasting. Yo, we here. Come join the vibe. Um, yo, shout out Ismail for bringing a friend and them loving the vibe of the whole Cosmos thing. 
um mm -hmm. and it's like so to me it's like yo but but doing that over and over again means people who walk by more than one time they're gonna get it stuck in their head like youtube ads and shit and then it's like you just kind of so it's like it costs nothing once i bought an app because i already have like like i have this right so i'm cool I, yeah <laughs> you know i'm good i got that one um and it's like uh then it's just like we show up and then we just do it whether or not there's a crowd who cares if there's a crowd the first time we just in the park having a good time doing our sets practicing for when we get but then like we're documenting this so that other people who might want to book us can see what we bring to the table in a live environment yeah. broad day in a park or late day in mm -hmm. a park because i feel like if you're doing it in a park it's a little harder yeah yeah no no for sure but yeah no but uh, yeah i'll definitely have to come when you try to i'll try to come by next sunday or whenever you do it just because i would it's been a while since i actually want to just go check out and hang out the park let's and say see. like well, unless it rains us the fuck out sunday's happening because i put my like sometimes somebody goes i can bring a crowd and you go let's do it so i want yeah. sunday to happen if i i'll even think i mean obviously i can't fight rain but like yeah. it looks like it'll be all right i'm gonna go with let's best fucking vibes in the world but yeah basically sunday at 6 p.m i don't even care like you know we'll make the facebook event soon enough and shit even that's how legit we are at this and yeah. then it's a matter of collecting names to put on flyers and shit like literally i got like two days to get this like live live as soon as this is like kind of done which is dope and then one way yeah. or another it happens because it's yeah. viable and like listen 60 dollars a month at a rental place is, is our last option and that's easy yeah so anyway yeah. to me i'm not excited like it's just a thing and we're gonna run it and then whatever i'll be at the park at like five ready to like set up and test and shit and then we'll run yeah. that motherfucker and it'll be a vibe and you know whether or not we get shut down they let us run it who fucking cares it'll be a vibe i'm gonna hit up the next man from the hustle podcast and see if they want to get involved and we have yeah. seven days to make some magic go down and then there you go. run weeklies after that that are way more low scale yeah. <laughs> ismail if you can come it would be amazing on sunday and if you can't yeah. totally understood we'll do our best to stream it no but uh, definitely i do i definitely want to come by check it out the worst case check out the stream if you guys are able to bro we want you there sure. we want you there come and yeah. do your little yeah. dj thing we... i want to bring my portable uh, my portable's packed up but yeah it's just basically me just cutting on records on this little kind of toy so and that's what i that's what i used to do and i still kind of do it i would just, i want to get back to doing let's do it yeah I just go out and I used to go out with a camera and just film me scratching in different various places. That's what I did when I was in California. I used to just, and I would post them on whatever, Facebook, uh, YouTube and stuff. And, uh, yeah, because it's, it's just fun just kind of freaking people out. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Bro, like, I would love oh, it if gonna... you could, yo, you're saying you can come scratch? It would make it like later. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely have, to, I'll definitely reach out to you, and then I'll bring my portable turntable. I have other DJs too that have portable stuff. Cause we usually go to a park and we just cut it up. Like my boy Manzo, if he's watching, like you know, what's up to him? Like, cause we're I'm part of a scratch crew called the uh, Sunday Scratch Session, where me and uh, me Manzo and a few other DJs would just meet up at a spot and we would just do like a meetup and scratching kind of gathering uh, every it used to be every uh sunday 
at uh, at a local bar or something, and we would just meet up in Scratch. But because of the pandemic, we were just just doing it online. But yeah, but lately because the weather's been nice, we used to just go, we usually just find a park or a spot where we just bring up portables and a portable uh, speaker, and we would just like cut QA and drink beer. You know? Oh, that sounds like fresh. Anyway, like yeah. that, like we'll definitely we'll definitely talk for sure. Like uh, nah, that's something that I want to. I mean, like, to me, it's just, like, yeah, if you want to be there, you'll be there, and it would be an amazing time to have you because, like, from the day you said you wanted to scratch, I was like, yo, that actually sounds like Lydia because, yo, for me, it's, like, I want to create the best show possible, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have a DJ bringing that element to it, it makes a better show for anybody out there because, yo, a seven-year-old going to fuck with that. I, you can say what you want about a seven-year-old might stop and be like, yo, mom, that guy's scratching. Like, you know, that's the kind of vibes we want. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I just, I love, I've always loved doing that. Just kind of just going to a, like a a public pay, place and just kind of just, I've done it where I was DJing in the middle of like Plastic Art back in the day filming and people were just like looking at me like, what are you doing? And, oh, I just have a record and I'm scratching over a beat you know no biggie you know what i mean so it's like uh but it's fun i just love people's interaction if they don't know what it is like especially when i see mcs leo freestyling in the streets like it's cool to kind of see people kind of like look and react to it regardless if you were good or not it's just yeah i kind of miss that kind of and that's another thing i kind of miss that whole kind of social interaction of curiosity you know what I mean? Love it. So it, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's dope. I think that's one of the things you're now ta- thinking about the way you're describing it. It is kind of dope to kind of open that aspect to the public of what you probably, you know, would see on the internet and stuff. So Honestly, yeah, man. I'm just inspired by a bunch of rappers from New York City telling me about how they grew up with hip hop and how they describe the situation. Now I don't necessarily <sighs> want to recreate hip hop from New York City. But no. I want a bunch of Montreal artists to learn the lesson that being in front of your community and showing them what you are. Like, how many people in NDG just don't have any idea, as an example, that so many rappers live here? Mm-hmm. And then oh, if we're man. there, we start to expose it. And then obviously other people are going to want to start rolling through. And then it turns into a six-hour thing by accident, which will figure out when we get yeah. there but then it's like all of a sudden, you know, like you become like a showcase in the park and it's like again it exposes you to a lot more markets than nighttime mm-hmm. yeah oh man i miss new york <laughs> i've never Anyways. been I, oh man you gotta go man like I'm even if it's planning the, on it uh, no like like for real yeah. um i have to work out a couple of things before i'll say it's like a final final but yeah if things go the way i would like them to i will be there uh the week of my birthday in november okay Oh man, there's just so many spots you can go. Like Brooklyn is always the biggie. Like I always love going to, you know, uh, the uh, like uh, East Village, uh, you know, in Manhattan area. Like a lot of hip hop stuff you'll find, basically, is in Brooklyn, Harlem. Uh, you know, oh man, I, I could I go to New York a lot because I just love New York. But also, there's a lot of record shops, so I'll buy a lot of vinyls there, and they're dirt cheap to like buy used mm. vinyls but they're they're classics can you just 
and I know a lot of um, uh, beat makers from here or across Canada or wherever would go to New York just to cop and find like rarities or like you know use trap use the records for free like for cheap like you can buy them like two three dollars in a bin you know what i mean so uh yeah new york in terms of hip-hop feel like it you gotta go i definitely have to i've been doing this like a parallel show with the man's that's in bronx right now for like mm -hmm. all of 2021 and so like mm -hmm. It's like I kind of want to meet the dude, <laughs> like you know, and like he's been like, if you come down here, you'll get the special VIP tour, and I'm like, oh, I want to go, I want to go see I your know version in New York. There's a lot of cool. Un I don't like. I don't know the state of New York how it is right now in terms of pandemic, but I know there's a lot of underground places to go that I wish I've had the chance to go to. That's why I want to go back desperately. But there, there is places where you can. There is like hip hop shows and and a lot like a lot of. From what I know, there's just a lot of places where there's a lot of like you know ciphers and freestyles and for sure you'll you'll run into one mainly like in maybe the Bronx, Brooklyn, Harlem, you know, uh, where you know, and basically outside of you know Manhattan what I really want to end up doing if I can is to go and see some battle rap. Oh man, like, do you have you ever gone to Toronto and check out like King of the Dot type battles? No, nah. I basically discovered battle rap this year because interviews forced me into discovering and falling in love a bit with battle rap. Um, okay. So, but like, I know my homeboy is connected to the battle rap scene, and I'm like, I kind of want to go to one of these things. Like, you know, like if I can get to one of these things, I kind of, I kind of want to go to I, one. I've been. I've been to a few, like they're like end of the week here in Montreal. They have their battle, like their MC battles and their beef. Shit, like, I want to see end of, I don't know if I can go there. If I can like work it out that I can go see end of the week. Oh my yeah. god, they're like, like you. So you've you, they're like a lot of MCs when they battle. It's like basically M, like eight mile Eminem, but more vicious. I find because they'll just. They'll, they'll, they'll try to tear you down morally just to kind of get a win or get a rise out of you, right? So it's vicious, man. So if you like, but they're, they're cool with a lot of MCs that will just come up with something creative on the fly. But it's like, it is a vicious, it is a vicious kind of uh, I just want to like stand in the background of one of these events and just be there in the room i've been i've been to a few especially in king of the dot in toronto like there's just there it's vicious like you know what i mean so nah i hear that um i yeah. mean yeah but like i'm i wouldn't go unless i'm with my homeboy or somebody that was yeah. there to like because you know, i'm not going anywhere unsupervised you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> i don't want to go unsupervised to new york city i want supervision I, it's not my country i don't know the uh, customs uh, well, and social I've norms been, i've been to new york by myself three times uh and it's always a blast whenever i'm there but i have family in jersey so it makes it easy type of thing but i i like to try when i travel like especially when i go to california or whatever i like to travel alone just mm. because it kind of gets me out of my comfort zone to kind of interact with people so but new york it's like I, I can go with friends i can be by myself it's just always a blast every time i'm there i know for this particular trip the goal for me is to like meet people because like i've been yeah. working like 
technically my show with the other one I was describing. Like it's on the end of the week shit. You know, like it's I'm affiliated yeah. with end of the week New York. I am not oh, affiliated okay. so directly with end of the week Quebec. I, I'm like, like wow. we don't know each other like that so much. Just on the facts that COVID has prevented me from going to any events and actually meeting the folks. Plus, they had a TV show to contend with. Shout out end of the week Quebec. That was a big distraction for them over the course of like while. So like I never, <laughs> I haven't actually watched the show. Like, That's it. Any good? Like, uh, like I mean. You know what it was, man? I watched Basics on TV doing his thing, and it was like this, like, emotional sense of, like, yo, I know Monkey, you know? Like, I rapped with Monkey yeah. in a park. Yep. I rapped with Basics in a park, and now these guys are yep. on TV, TV, even if it's Quebec TV, TV. And yeah, it was Monkey like. And, Monkey and Basics are usually at the cipher with the under pressure every time, so they're dope. Like, honestly, man, for me seeing that on television seeing people that like yo i'd never really seen that before and i don't know it was like that i guess a lot of people have described that moment but like i had never ever in my life really seen my peers on tv like that like in this mm -hmm. in a legitimate and serious way where like not nah, quebec is saying hip-hop is legit like that and it was super emotional i'm pretty sure i actually cried a little bit when i saw basics do his shit i mean it is a little thank you mama at the end and slipped in his little english word ver that he it was really like memorable for me i remember we yeah. were on like lamef stream like pirating that shit to everybody <laughs> but like it was like uh it was cool but like they yeah. were really distracted so i like linked up with end of the week new york on that new york guy shit because i interviewed him and then we linked up mm -hmm. like outside of end of the week but he was affiliated with end of the week so next thing you know all of a sudden i'm like part of the end of the week new york like squads like channel and shit like technically speaking if you go on their youtube channel you'll see me like all over it not like all of yeah. it but like we do like a weekly you know and it yeah have the end of the week logo and all of those thumbnails mm-hmm <laughs> And uh, I, 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 yeah, well, hopefully when everything comes up, like hopefully end of the week, Quebec will probably continue on. I know they did oh, they're, they're, every they're, month or so. No, they are still late. They're still a squad. Yeah. They still yeah. do things. Um, yeah. I just don't like know them. Right. Like, yeah. so like I met them one time at a barbecue last september mm -hmm. or some shit and it was like yeah. yo i feel weird because of covid and shit yeah. uh, that's where i met cool man logan too for the first time yeah and then it's cool like, man logan yeah so i met him. a lot of the a lot of those guys like Senecal, who's like you know I've not met him camp. he's dope he's funny he's always at the cypher uh he's one of my favorites i like uh yeah basics uh monkey i've seen uh at the cypher uh yeah of course cool uh cool man logan there's just yeah i know there's a lot of artists that pass through the cypher that have been through uh, competed in um at the end of the week but also too there's also uh beatbox uh competitions that they that they hold too which are pretty dope so i'm just hoping maybe one day they're gonna do a dj battle but you know it's just it's kind of tough because it there's a lot of like equipment issues that they would have to deal with but those are logistics. Uh, Everything yeah, can always be figured out with the right plan of action. But yeah, like yeah. for me, it's like I want to go meet like these people, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. these people I've talked to on the Internet for a while. And like I know yeah. them in like a Internet way. And the thing yeah. is, is like, I guess this far into COVID, it was like this realization that none of these Internet relationships are really meaningful because they're kind of like fate. It's like I'm having a phone call. It's like 
It's like having a phone call with somebody all the time. It's nice yeah. and it means something. But like No, I, I feel the same I don't way because really I know that yeah. you like me, me. You just like yeah. this version of me that you've encountered. You've never really been in a room with me, my my energy's off type thing. No, I feel the same way because I've met a lot of DJs through Twitch. Like it's great to connect and great to uh, network with them and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's like they don't really they only know what I've, they see of me on Twitch, but they don't really know me. You know what I mean? So it's like it is kind of because I would let I'm more of a approachable person, and I like for you to meet me in person to just kind of you see who I am type of thing. But it, I like again, it's cool to interact with people through you know Zoom and Google Chat and whatever. But it's not, it's just kind of different when you like meet somebody for the first time via internet in in person. Uh, even now, like sometimes I'm just getting trying to get back into the the, the habit of being sociable again with people, in, like in um, like with uh, like being out in public and stuff. But yeah, it's. You, yeah, you wild. Your, I don't know how to behave yeah. in public yet. Yeah, I just don't know if I should, you know, I a lot of times I'll just like fist pump them or I'll just do an elbow to elbow kind um, of thing. Like, like, I don't know. I've been fist pumping probably more than I should. I'm just like, whatever. I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm double vaxxed and I know it's not how it works, but I'm fucking, yeah. now I'm in public and I'm just so excited and I'm like seeing people and I'm like, uh, it's too much to it's think kinda, about. It's kind of, it's kind of awkward the first few times that I'm kind of like, you know, like doing like you know, hugging people or just calling them in because it's like, do I do that? Do I get it? It's like, but uh, yeah, it, it is something to kind of get used to in the sense where it's like, trying to get back to you know the social life but yeah it's it's i you you know what when when hopefully everything follows through like yeah you'll get a chance to meet all these mcs like i definitely hopefully with you know end of the week maybe coming back in the future hopefully stuff with uh, urban science is going to come back and you get to check out like all these mcs that are usually passing by through the, like the scene is dope when you're going and interacting with like people with those type of events and that's why i like either djing those events or being part of those events like under pressure too it's like when i was there doing my set afterwards it was kind of cool to just meet up with people i haven't seen in like over a year who i would maybe see on a regular basis like at a concert or whatever but because it's like it's kind of cool and a relief at the same time and kind of awkward at the same time in a sense where it's like like how do i approach them like you know what i mean like how's how's life post covid you know what i mean but it's like nah, every talk it's, is fucking it's weird it's like yeah i don't even okay because like on top of all that like let's say like i got used to having this set of filters in place where i just understood what the appropriate conversational topics were Mm -hmm. I've spent the last like year of my life, we can say nine months talking to strangers in this one-on-one -on -one call. And most of my conversations are like this. <laughs> this is not like regular life shit, right? And then my, <laughs> my, my other interactions with humans are work business centric Zoom calls where yeah. there's plans and intents and either I'm a boss or I'm a subordinate and it's very clearly defined how to like behave like that but not social versions just the work mm -hmm. versions right because it's been mm -hmm. zoom meetings and yeah. that's like it and chatting mm -hmm. so I'm like fuck me how much 
I was, and I talk too much when I get nervous, right? So I just have a fucking blabbermouth being like a fucking conversational dominant asshole in these places. I'm like, I, it's going to take a minute to like get comfortable in these like public settings again. Yeah. But once you get the hang of it, like for me, like you, when you start interacting more and more, like the, le- the less awkwardness kind of fades away a bit. But it, it, again, it depends on your character too. Like, yeah, I'm yeah I, I, I am kind of somewhat a bit kind of reserved, but I am sociable. Like it all varies on like who I meet and how I talk to people or how they talk to me type of thing. But it, I know in the beginning, it's it, like for me, when I was starting to get back out there, it was a bit kind of strange. Because mm. even then, I do talk to friends and family through Zoom or online chat, but it's not the same. If when you meet them and in, in, in for the first time like face to face because it's like it's human interaction Mad different. you know it is different like it, it might be the same in terms of like like talking to you like just imagine yeah. this we're the same height right now all things considered you, yeah. you find out like how tall people and short people are and like you start really seeing people in their fullness in all yeah. of the ways that is, and it's like just different energies. But you, I don't well, want to forget. I, I don't want to forget. How, how t- I'm five How seven. tall are you? You five seven? Okay, so you, you. Okay, so I'm telling you by four inches. Yeah. So like, right <laughs> there, like it's like just that dynamic, right? Like, yeah. yo, in a lot of ways, yo, I know I'm shorter than people, and that plays into the interactions because weirdly, society has a height dynamics and shit. So just little things like that. You know, like you know, gotta pop off your chest more. Be be like conscious of not doing that, or like body language matters a lot more in public. Well, I have a fat belly, so every now it's like when I go out, I have to kind of suck it in a bit. So <laughs> yeah, I feel that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I don't want to forget this question. Uh, Ismail yeah, wanted to know if you are in touch with the Filipino hip hop scene. Uh, the Filipino there isn't much of a. There are Filipino artists here. I think far rare hip hop artists that are doing it full time or like full grind as a hobby. Like there, there are. Like I know the Filipino community did a, like a little festival at the Village du Courant. Uh, I think last uh, last week I couldn't go because I was just hanging around uh, with people at under pressure. But uh, I don't. In terms of the hip hop scene in the Filipino hip hop scene in Montreal, there are. I just don't know them to know if they're kind of just doing it for the fun or if it's legit or st- like or in between. But I know there's a lot of Filipino artists, like singers, bands, that are just doing their thing and maybe hoping for the best type of thing. So uh, that's kind of where I know in terms of the Filipino music scene in Montreal. Fair enough. Do you listen to Filipino hip-hop outside of Montreal? No. Besides the Black Eyed Peas? uh... (laughs) Fair enough. But whatever, there are, there is, uh, I, the music, I know the hip hop scene in the Philippines is pretty, yeah, 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 they, bamboo, yeah, okay, so those, those are two. I, but I don't know them, Ruby and, uh, Bamboo, too, too well. But, uh, I hear what you're but saying. I, again, 
all I know is like black eyed peas are yeah, but like, like big. To and... be like fair to you, you're also like completely ingratiated into like a Montreal DJ culture where like yeah. the expectations of what you need to know are different. Yo, that's I'll, actually I'll, I'll say this. There are plenty of Filipino DJs here in Montreal. Club DJs, scratch DJs. That's where we kind of shine in terms of I and I know a lot of those DJs that are doing their thing, like old time uh, hip hop DJs that are Filipinos to like us scratch DJs underground and far in between. So, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of DJs that are Filipinos, but not just here in Montreal, across Canada and right. throughout the States, there are just an abundance of really awesome, like Filipino DJs in their own right. So, you know what I mean? I think what, when I grew up learning DJ, it was Cubert, Mixmaster Mike. Right. And those are two Cali DJs. Well, Mixmaster Mike's part Filipino, but Cubert is Filipino, but born in, in, in San Francisco. But, and those were, the, those were the two Filipinos that I grew up idolizing because I just loved what they were doing with scratching and, and all that stuff. So. Yo, DJ Overflow, I would love to keep this running, but I have work tomorrow. So, unfortunately, <laughs> this is the part where I'm going to have to say I love this conversation. I think it's really... I'm surprised we actually gone to, like, this way, we're 450. I'm, okay, I'm cool. not. Uh, DJs are not the same as rappers. Rappers yeah. are, like, very image-centric, right? And mm. um, DJs tend to be really, like, music scene-centric. So, y'all are just more interesting to pick the brains of because y'all have a lot of opinions. Because, mm. frankly you want to come off like a snob more than like a rapper does in a, in a positive way. Your knowledge is what gets you kind of booked. The more you know, the better you are. And, and yeah. it's, it's a weirdly different thing. So I've enjoyed every DJ conversation I've had and producers too. I enjoy like it's, mm. I'm not going to say I don't like rappers cause I like rapper ones too, but <clears throat> maybe it's cause I'm a rapper and it's what I do. But like, I feel like talking to a DJ is a bigger blessing to me. And because of the frequency of guests, I don't talk to DJs all the time. So you're like kind of like breaking up the norm, like that song that comes through on your set to flip shit up. Uh, I could I could talk about DJing for like another five hours, but you know because again that's the passion of my music is the passion of mine. But you know I'm if you ever like like Ishmael said, I'm down for a part two, whatever you I'm want. I'm down so for just a part two as well. Give it a few yeah. months just to space it out, yeah. but we'll make that. No, happen. no, no, no. Don't worry. I'll I'll, I'll be around. <laughs> but yeah, on that note though, thank y'all for watching for real, everybody. Thank you for the people uh, watching you. in the future too. Yeah, thanks for having me. Honestly, yeah, it was it's, it's been the, it's pretty fun. It was it was fun. And yeah, so definitely make sure to check out his links, which have popped through a few times in the chat, and it'll be down below in the description of the video, so you don't have to worry about all the exaggerated plugging. It's just there. Go check in the description, y'all. Um, but yo, thanks again, everybody. It's a, it was wonderful to have you, DJ Overflow. Yo, live long and prosper, everyone. Mm -hmm.